Happy Easter, asshole. <laughs> Sorry about the salmonella. <laughs> That's okay. Duffman says a lot of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ho, ho, ho. Green Giant. Can work for years and years. You're always on the go. You never take a minute off. Too busy making dough. Someday you say you have your fun when you're a millionaire. Imagine all the fun you'll have in your old rocking chair. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink the years go by as quickly as a wink enjoy yourself enjoy yourself it's later than you think you're gonna take that ocean trip no matter come what may You've got your reservations made, but you just can't get away. Next year for sure, you'll see the Welcome to Tales of Eastside, episode 194, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof. Last minute winners, can't beat them, can't beat them, Prof. Late, late show again. Uh, Greener, to the rescue, and of course, who else to rescue, Prof, when you've got a bad day and you need a payday loan? It's Lister Credit. You can take a shot from outside the box in the last minute. <laughs> they got you back. <laughs> and of course, Ocean Electrical, as usual, are fantastic sponsors for life, forever, and evermore. But keep in touch and, uh, no, sorry, just get in touch. And if you need anything done, any electrical work or anything got to do with electric credit, get in touch with us and we'll put you on. We'll get you some sort of little discount, a little sweetener. So, um, our report from Talca Park Rovers made it two away wins on the bounce prof. And it took us four attempts to get our fourth one on the road. See that with the stats, Prof? Do you like that? Should take over. And we look ahead to the Pats game and tell it tomorrow. Plus, Tuesday was the 35th anniversary of Milltown. And we have a load of content for you. So you'll hear from John Doyle, Rob Tormey, who were so influential in the erecting of the Milltown Monument in 1998. Great interview, Prof. And later on, there's an interview with 85-86 Player of the Year, Mick Neville, who was part of the famous four-in-a-row team at Glenmore Park, and Hoops fan, Robbie Murphy, who lived the dream of playing a game with that team in the same season, 85 and 86 so content galore prof oh yes hashtag content 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 <laughs> feedback to last week's show we've Neil McCabe regular contributor on um, Messenger prof great show again lads best memories of Tolkien nothing to do with the football it was the rocket man lads with the little jetpacks on their backs dispensing hot drinks only remembered when you mentioned Bravo. do you remember that that's a memory that was in Tallaght that was in the East End as well do you remember I do kind of remember something like that, yeah. Definitely in the East End before it. Um, and Eamon M. That was the best hotline you've done, both in terms of guests and questions. Odell and Tracy, stop. 
Good to hear Greenblood and the other Rovers alumni as well. Good to hear the Bradley support. Hearing Pats to Freedom get mentioned brought me back to my own memory of Morton Stadium. I had a very dashing undercut haircut at the time. A step <laughs> as it was known in Crumlin. <laughs> and stroll around the ground at halftime with my dad on my way past the Galway supporters in the section. The away section around of your rats and you know your air was sung at me. Proud moment for us both. And also whoever doesn't like the 93-94 purple jersey should be kicked out of the club. As well, I took a bit of flack for that uh, Bradley question about the squad. I don't think you did. It was tongue in cheek. Yeah, but I, I kind of knew what was coming. You know what I mean? Mm. I knew what was coming and I wanted that. So it was. Yeah. We knew what was going to come after. We knew it was not going to say anything but. Um, Round of applause for the Galway supporters there because you're rats and you know you are. <laughs> They're a reference to rats from the flats. What can you say? That's. You just put your hand up and say you got me. Yeah. You, <laughs> you got, got me. You got me good there. Uh, Noli, listening to the podcast, remember the song when we couldn't play Pay the Laundrette? I don't think we got that in the end, did we? You'll have to tell me that one, Nolly, because I want mm. to put that in the documentary. And um, did you like Nolly chilling by the pool? By the way, Charlie, yeah, I thought it was very cool. Every so often, all you'd hear was a whoosh, splash, splash, <laughs> kids jumping in the pool. Yeah, a unique. Have entry. you also noticed Nolly has a different voice from his regular voice? He has a podcast voice and he has a Nolly voice. Hundred percent. I was like, who is this? It's like, is very, very posh, <laughs> very posh. Um, he also has a funny way of saying your gardens. What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> I, I don't know what he said. It was some, Butchered it. Some odd word. Uh, Geezy Hand had this to say. He said, love listening to Derek Tracy talking about Rovers. Tony O'Dowd never looked at the camera in team photos. He used to think that was super... Or he used to think that was superstitious growing up. Well, I don't think that was about superstition. He's explained that story Yeah, he before. said that he was pissed off with a photographer and the photographer was yeah. telling him to look at the camera and he was like, nope. A grouchy Pats photographer shouted yeah. at him and ever since that day. And he also said, Bovril is your only man at halftime in Tallinn. I know, yeah. We're going to have the Bovril scold at us now on Friday, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely have to uh, pop our Bovril cherries. We might have coffee thrown at us too. We've just uh, recorded an interview with Sean Francis who works in the coffee industry. Coffee magnet. Yeah. Absolute coffee uh, giant. And yeah, so we're going to be... You can look forward to that next uh, week. Yeah, that's it. And we were talking about Keith Tracy and his time at Rovers. And we only just learned that David Cassidy, former Rovers player, is Keith Tracy's uncle. So it rings in there as well. So the Rovers connection goes deep mm-hmm. there. And he tried to get him to play for Drogheda. It's doing my favour when Gar- they're going down. Gary, we can do this live on air now. If I can oh. just find it. There it is now. The most convoluted returning of a member's card of all time. Somebody gave it to Usher to give to Jason McLean to give to me at Talca Park to give to you right now here yeah here, oh, there we go I actually can't believe it very funny <laughs> very funny like it's uh, honestly I want to I, I want to know I wish it was, there was a fly on the wall where you could watch how this ended up all over <laughs> Ireland <laughs> but um, yeah so that that is the return of the members card for Gary P and of course we have the 10k walk to Tala Good Friday starting at starting point is the Milton Money at 4 o'clock and Sweet opens at 6 and the match is at 8. And these marches are always good crack. We're going to try and get a big crowd. There's loads of chatting. I'm going to be out there more than likely with my little handheld. Getting a few little interviews. Doing a few sneaky ones. The walk is great because you're going to talk. like You're, you're just chatting about Milltown. Somewhere we've never been. So we're just talking and chatting away. And who's that one? We're talking, chatting away. And it's just a really, really good walk. And you might have a few little... Uh, a few little refreshments on the walk as well, but now it's really, really good, and it's a little bit close to my heart as well because I'm my my mother's from Milltown, so whenever I go up that neck of the woods, 
just kind of reminds me of growing up in the round mm. the mill race pub jumping over the rivers and running up and down Colin Bannis so yeah George Kelly knew your man didn't he yeah and, uh, yeah Paddy Daly as well remember when Robbie Gaffney showed up at Johnny Blues and he saw your ma and he was like I know you yeah yeah, yeah. they knew the family so it was, it was nice and uh, yeah so I remember we were, the last walk we did we think we did some interviews on the way we did we? Yeah. we did Peter Madden I think we did Mark Lynch we did a couple that couldn't be aired due to let's say bad quality yes I do remember that so, Every incidence of bad quality on this show yeah, is etched into my mind, trust me. <laughs> yeah, trying to edit them sitting there going <laughs> mad. So yeah, definitely show up. So four o'clock at the Milltown Monument, six o'clock for the suite and match at eight o'clock. It's gonna be really, really good. Little chat and uh little social event, so try and get out. We'll make a big crowd for it. a little presentation at the monument as well. So um first up we have Rob Tarmy. This is the the genius that makes all the bun the what are they called prof the penance the penance this is him isn't it mm-hmm. I'm looking at him right now absolutely brilliant works this is Rob Tommy and we've John Doyle to tell us the origins of the Milltown Monument both clips are from the documentary Take Me Home so prof is just teasing the fans now little snippets here and here and then you'll hear a few minutes of John aka Dikey Doyle and we have spliced together his answers and that was actually filmed the front of the monument itself and Rob goes into a little bit more detail so here are the lads as um, the tribute as regards the monument here. Yes, well, I was, I was actually on the social committee, the Shamrock Rovers social committee at the time. And um, the idea was mooted by the committee. We should do something for the amount of time that Rovers had spent here. So we decided that, well, let's have a look at a monument. So um, we said when Rob Tommy were, were, were tasked with the, the, the project of this, um, both of us were members of Glenmalure Supporters Club, so maybe that's the reason why. But the two of us put our heads together and we've done an awful lot of things going around, moving around, and we went to some strange places at the time. Uh, the Doll Visitors Bar being one of them, and um, Weston Row Catholic Church. Uh, the Doll Bar was to see Senator Joe Doyle, who would have been the TD in this area and become a senator then. And he would have helped us out a lot as regards the planning permission for all this situation. The Jesuits was, we met a Jesuit priest in Western Row because we didn't actually know the situation as regards the, where the monument is and as regards this triangle, which is actually outside of where the wall would have been, where the ground was. So subsequently we found out that the corporation owned this. So that's how we went to see Joe Doyle, the senator and he put in place the planning permission situation and helped us along the way and we eventually got the planning permission so that's how that cropped up so the money was raised through various things we had a lot of race nights um, i personally myself had sold um prints of a painting which was done of the last game here in in, in milltown uh, for the, the measly sum of five pound at the time in in talca park and we did various race nights and various things that, to raise money and fans chipped in and that's how the money was raised basically. Oh the day of it, yeah, the, 20, the 21st of May uh, 1998, uh, beautiful evening, towards the evening, beautiful. Um, we had the place festooned with flags and bunting. Um, Bertie Ahern come up to open it up. Uh, Philip Green was the MC at the time and we had players here from the 50s, 60s, 70s and the present side was here. It was, a, it was a magnificent evening, there was in the number of hundreds here at the time and it was a really smashing evening for a nostalgic evening though too. 
for, for a lot of the people here, you know, and sad too, I suppose. And um, afterwards, we all retired down to the dropping well for refreshments, as they say, and talked about great days here in Milltown. Um, well, the, 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 the situation as regards the foundation, we, we were out here the Saturday before and before that, we had put a foundation in and we found that it wasn't strong enough. So we had to come back the following week and we had a box put in. I think it was Paddy Malone had to come and help us and put a box in. And uh, we filled it up with more concrete to strengthen it. We actually had, um, we put our names and the date in a bottle and stuck it in the cement. We had standing now, so I mean, whenever this, I don't know if this will never be taken up, I, I hope. So, you know, it's there's something in there with our names and that in it, you know, but um, yeah, that was uh, the day it was put in. Yeah. So I think like it's a lot of people, it's a lot of sadness here. But I mean, it was a fitting tribute to the 60 odd years that the, the Rovers had played here, you know, that it's something that maybe people can come by and get a photograph taken by and to remember this place, you know, because it's, it's great memories for a lot of people that had come here. You know, it's great memories. Yes, yeah, well, I believe there's a, there's a fabulous club up here, they, 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 they pride of Dublin and they come down and they, they clean it up and that, you know, which is great. It's sad to see something like that, you know, that someone would, would go to the lens to do something like that, you know, it's not sport to me, you know. Oh, on the committee, oh, Shane Maguire, Jerry Matthews, with great help, um, Mick Cairns and Brendan Cairns, Robert Goggins, of course, um, Paddy Malone helped out here also. Um, Rob Tommy, of course, except Rob Tommy were involved in the situation. So there was a number of other people, obviously, Noel Bourne would have been involved also um, in it. So they were great help, all, all fabulous help. They actually come up here and doing the foundation. I mean, we all got our hands dirty doing foundations here, you know. It was really, it was, it was a lovely sunny morning doing that too, uh, doing the foundation. And it made us very proud, like, you know. So that's, they were great help. Yeah, yeah, myself and Robbie go back a long, long time. Um, a long, long time we go back. Um, we're involved in the Glenmalore Supporters Club and um, yeah, we're still in touch. We see each other at the games. Sure, yes. Uh, it would have been the, the idea of the monument came about. We, I suppose no one wanted it at the time. In the, in the age when Milltown went, sort of not, no one wanted to accept it or no one wanted to put up any sort of... We were always in the hope that even some people, I know, we we be able to knock these houses down and build a pitch again, you know, and put the barbed wire fence in some fellas' heads. Like that was all possible, you know. But it was sort of ten years later. I tell you what, what was a for me, what was a big sort of get over, sort of healing thing for for Milltown was the RDS days were, were great. Uh, they, uh, that I look back on the RDS very very fondly. I thought they were great days. I suppose I would have been talking about when I was a kid, I missed out on Milltown, the bar and stuff like that, but I would have been working then, had a few bob in my pocket. You know, I would have been, had a big group of lads and I would have been sort of, sort of in your, sort of in your 20, your mid, in your prime sort of, and you follow your team and the RDS, we were, had a few great seasons there, great, uh, great crowds, very fond memories of it win the league there and we had a, a good team uh and sort of it was that sort of i think the rds was a good for, for me anyway it was a good sort of healing thing sort of mill town not that it was it would be ever put to bed but it it was we could look at it in a different way and 
I, I was always sort of into the history and the things and commemorations and I go to all summer long, sort of, well, I like going to commemorations and different things, you know, national commemorations and stuff like that. And I often, when I passed Milltown, I thought, like, there should be something there, you know, there should. And you say it to people and people, yeah, and I sort of, it's just decided one day, like we're going to we're going to do this. I was on a, a, a I was involved in a supporters club at the time, and there was a, representatives from different supporters club. Joe Caldwell owned the club at the time, and he wanted to get different groups all together, sort of under the one umbrella uh, to organise different things. The Christmas deal and a player of the year deal for the club, and even to raise a few bob for the club. But there would have been sort of representatives of different fan groups there. Uh, Doiki, as you say, Doiki Doyle would have been there. Myself, Mick Cairns, uh, Jerry Matthews, Shay McGuire, uh, probably missing out a couple of names, but they, they would have been uh, the lads. That, and uh, so I spoke to Doiki uh, after matches in the art in sort of uh, we used to uh, we used to go back to a pub in Angel Street there and we just over oh thoughts developed over over points and over time and we said we were, we 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 were going to do it so we brought it up at the meeting and uh, Mick and Mick Hearns and Jerry and Shane McGuire and them did a great idea how we go about it what are you talking about are you talking about a little plaque or you know and. Uh, I'd seen plaques on walls and different things. I'm like, God, we, we have to do something. And the first word out of my mouth was a monument, you know? <laughs> as well as start laughing, like, you know? Like, you were thinking of, like, Charles Stewart Parnell's monument or uh, Daniel O'Connell or something. And I remember Mick Cairns, what, what are we talking about here? Daniel O'Connell or what? You know, Mick, the way you go. You know? And uh, <laughs> I said, I don't know, Mick. Uh, we'll... Uh, We'll, I says, I'm not doing a plaque. I says, this is Milltown. This is like 1927 to 1987. Uh, I says, we have to do something more. And then straight away, there's no way there's always one lad. Ah, but you'll need planning permission. And straight away, I was ready for that one. I knew where it was coming from as well. Well, there's always one lad who, oh, we wouldn't be able to afford. He's usually in charge of the money, you know. Yeah, and uh, so, no, if we have to get plan permission, we get plan permission. If we have to get whatever we need to get, we'll get, and we'll build a fitting monument to Rovers, right? So uh, we we started off, and uh, so that, that was about 18 months before the 10th anniversary of uh, leaving Milltown, and we said would that be plenty of time, you know? So we, uh, it was the original, on the first night when we ha when we decided to go for it, we had 18 months to do it, and we were going to uh, unveil it on the 10th anniversary. But we soon found out between plan permission and drawings and architects and speaking to people in the council and the landowners and all that. And uh, so, yeah, so myself and Doiki were, Set. It it was the it was the committee that really did, uh, did it, but myself and Doiggy were were sent off to uh, to go and do the details and do the do the business on it, you know. And uh, so we did. We went up and we it turned out that the uh, 
Uh, we dug up sort of some uh, murky stuff that, about the Jesuits and uh, who, who the landowners was and uh, who, who the deal between uh, Louis and the Jesuits and all that. Like the Jesuits got a number of houses in there as part of the deal. And uh, one of the fellas we met, I think his name, he was a priest. He, he used to be a priest you'd hear on the radio like with Gay Bourne. And so Ar Art O'Neill, I think was his name. And uh, anyway, he 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 lived in there in one of the houses that Louis uh, gave to the Jesuits as part of the deal, you know. And uh, so uh, yeah, so we had to get permission off of him because it was the co common area in, in that estate was still was still owned by uh, it wasn't taken in charge by the council. We needed some sort of permission off them anyway. Uh, we needed permission from the the people who lived in the houses at the back of it and uh yeah so listen we we didn't really come across any uh negative people that wanted to stop us we approached it in the right way we went up we told them what we were thinking of doing and reassured them that it would be a a, a nice they wouldn't be a monstrosity or anything like that showed them the the plans uh mccairns had a pal an architect and he did up we described to him basically what we wanted like uh I suppose I came up with this sort of, uh, what would you say, the word obelisk, you know, the sort of uh, that type of shape of a, of a thing and uh, with a football on it and then the, the few plaques and the crest and uh, what it was going to be made of, uh, granite and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we, uh, we got the plans done. We uh, had to meet... Myself and Dikey went into the doll, he might have uh, told you that. We had a, a, a local, uh, he was a local councillor at that stage for the area. He lived down the cottages behind uh, Donnybrook Bus Garage. Uh, he was a Fianna Gael fellow, as far as I remember. Well, he, was the, he was the prominent local councillor for, for the Milltown Road and the Ramlet, that estate there opposite and the, the, the Glemalore Square, as they call it. Uh, he was the most prominent politician in that area, so we got him on board. And uh, we had to go into the, the doll, and he brought us in and bought us a point in the member's bar and all the rest. So it was sort of an experience like that me and Doiki would have never had, really. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we put in the plan permission. I remember getting the letter back. I'd put, we had to put someone's address on it, so it, it, it was my address that was on the plan permission and my such like that so i still have the letter at home uh from the council uh granting uh the plan permission you know uh for the monument and it has my name and address on it and stuff like that so it's, it's a little bit of history there you know and uh, so but the whole process went on we missed we missed the 10th anniversary and uh, it went on till the following may until we were we had everything in place we had to raise funds for it as well. Uh, if I can remember, the whole thing cost about uh, nearly 4,000. Uh, yeah, uh, the brass actually was the, the brass plaques and the brass ball and stuff like that. Uh, that was, they were made in a foundry in, uh, in Inchicar, a brass foundry, uh, art, yeah, uh, Bronze Art, I think was the name of the company, yeah, Bronze Art. And so, uh, 
yeah i think that that was the most expensive part of, of the of the design uh the granite we got that sponsored we had a few pals up in uh the quarries up in glen cullen and stuff like that so the the, the granite came from up there and uh, they supplied a guy uh to free of charge to uh put the it started concrete on the inside the concrete base and then the the granite uh the the, the granite uh, around the dressing as they call it around it you know so yeah so in 19 may the end of may i believe it was i think it was uh the night after the i think it was a thursday evening uh the european cup final would have been was in amsterdam on the wednesday night uh and uh that was the tourist night so it would have been the end of in may uh 98 we had the, the big opening and uh joe Caldwell. uh at the time he said at one of the meetings that was a possibility you could get buried to your hair and it was a t-shirt along to open it so joe wanted to get buried to, so that was uh he was he, he was the thing so yes so Bertie came along actually and unveiled it and we had a, a great night and we all went down to uh what's the name of the pub there at the daughter there charlie chalks boozer there the dropping well and we uh heard out the whole dropping well and we had a, a big party then afterwards and it was uh yeah it was great so it was one it was a great uh and i think a lot of people a lot of people were really, really odd. The amount of people came up to me and Doiki afterwards, and you know, li li lads that you wouldn't necessarily older guys that you would never certainly weren't friends with them. Really, they were Rovers fans that, and they probably looked at looked at us over the years as you know, do you maybe not you know the best of fans or whatever different different bits of bother we would have been in, but they. They wouldn't have been uh, looked at as very favourable, maybe in the on a lot of occasions. But he came up, shook our hands, and says, "Great work, lads! Fucking, it's a credit to you, you know." So, yeah, that was something that's still there, and uh, it's great when you hear on the uh, on the radio there in the morning. I used to hear uh, traffic reports and saying, "Oh, the traffic is very heavy from from uh, the monument in Milltown down to uh, Renly, You know, <laughs> like so." It's a bit of a it's a bit of a landmark that radio stations use that traffic reports, and for so like you get a bit of a buzz out of that when you hear when you hear that you know so uh, yeah that's the mill monument is there sort of every time I pass it you, you know it sort of gives you a bit of a boost you know and stuff like that and and I suppose the most important thing is that for all the the young kids and. And even they're not so eighty-seven now. We're in uh, twenty twenty-one. Like there's grown men bringing their kids to their to matches in Tallinn now, and they weren't even at, at Milltown. Like you know, so like it, it shows everyone where it was, and it's a it's sort of it's a fitting tribute to. Uh, it's the best we could have done, you know. Like uh, it's not exactly uh, Daniel O'Connell's monument, <laughs> but. But uh, it's yeah, we're happy with it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Prof, I absolutely love this. I loved because it was so detailed. Talking about the actual cement inside of it, they had friends who gave them the the granite and like just all the little things that they pulled in together and how how they just got it done. Eventually, they really, really were determined. And once again, it was decided over uh, the frequenting of an alehouse. <laughs> 
I loved like Rob going into detail. I love how he describes someone in the room when they describe their plans and he just laughs. And he's like, I knew as soon as I said it, mm. someone was going to laugh and say, well, not laugh. I think he said, you know, so you won't be able to get planning. You won't be able to do this or that. And he was like, well, we'll just do it then. Mm. There's always one though. There's always yeah. one with a glass half full, isn't there? And uh, like John as well, talking about he had to sell paintings to uh, raise the money. He actually gave me and Kane the very painting he was talking about. What on the day? Where like, is it? There are prints of it, like, and uh, yeah, he gave us one each. Ah, oh, brilliant stuff! And the course buried in their names in the bottle underneath the foundation. So that's, I mean, hopefully it's never removed. But yeah. if it is one day, that's what you'll find on there. Well, you wouldn't know. I mean, people thought that Glamour was never going to get mm. mowed down. So some murky shit with the Jesuits as oh, well. Oh, the houses, the houses being promised like that is murky <laughs> as fuck, man. It's just like even do you know what? Funny enough, I was talking to Jaden about Milltown, and I was telling him about it. And like what I'm saying is starting to resonate with him. Like he's remembering things. Like I was saying to him, yeah, and we're going on the march, the march on Friday, and we're gonna walk down to Milltown. And he's like, that's that's the old stadium, isn't it? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was trying to promote our plug and pull a little bit more info out of him. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they sold the club out from underneath. So he was like, yeah, they threw all the stuff in the bin, all the trophies. And I was like, he's remembering this. <laughs> I was like, deadly. He's starting to, he's starting to, pl- to twig it all together. like. And ju- just on the Jesuits, because uh, I interviewed Ray Wilson for the documentary there uh, a week ago, because he was home. And he mentioned something that I think he had said to us before when he was on the show, that apparently... When Milltown was sold, his dad, Jack Wilson, went up to the Jesuits, knocked on the door and said, I just want you to know that I know you have some involvement in this with the coins. I just want you to know that. Yeah. Morky fucking shit. Oh, how many houses did they get out of that? Like, you know what I mean? So they went to the Jesuits and said, sell this to us or whatever way it worked. And then we'll give you like little sweeteners here and there. Mm-hmm. Absolute disgrace. I can see there being a clamour now for the rest of that Rob Tommy interview because that, it was two hours of chatting to him and Gary, I swear to God I asked him no more than five questions. Think about that. Yeah, you, you, there's always one like that though, isn't there? I asked him five questions and he spoke for two hours. Oh, funny enough as well, when I go just back to Jade as well, the, what, what made me laugh at the end of it and he was like, we sing about him in the South Stand, don't we? About the, the fellow that sold the ground. Or whatever way, whatever way we're talking about it, and he's like Louis, Louis, Louis. It's like that's him, that's him. So he's like, it's starting to come full circle. I was laughing at it because like I always say to him, whenever you hear in the South Stand, stays in the South Stand. But it was funny to hear him say it back to me, you know. Yeah, the McNeville interview that's coming up later on that was actually recorded on the tenth anniversary of uh, Kukoin's death. Mm, there we go. So Prof, back to Talca Park, two one win. The team we had Gannon over Pico. Pico still struggling with his hand and. Don't underestimate how much of a hand injury can actually stifle you as a defender because it's only going to get worse. Because the way Pico is, he's all action. He's he's like a hundred miles an hour. Ultimately, when you're sliding in, you're leveraging yourself with your hand. So that means he's mm-hmm. he's running at about sixty percent, seventy percent maybe because he can't actually use his hand to to hold people off, to hold himself up during a tackle. So this is this is a big thing that I don't think he just felt comfortable, did he? Not really. I've seen players play through hand injuries before. You see them taped up and all. But this yeah. is his wrist, his hand, his yeah, whole arm. Yeah, it it's all, yeah, it's not true. a finger, you know. Yeah. But we'd uh, yeah, so we'd Pico and uh, he actually had COVID as well. So 
unfortunate for Pico, but we'd um, he wasn't in the he didn't spend ten days in in the hotel this time. And uh, Tell retained his place prop, so a little mm. bit of form from Tell starting to creep up. We'll talk about him soon. Um, car up front for them as well, which uh, you would have been very aware of if you were standing next to Stafford's cousin. Oh my god, the abuse <laughs> Dan Carr got for the whole 90 minutes or whatever he was on the pitch for. My god, it's bad. It does not like Dan Kerr. I was <laughs> like, here, listen, anyone who goes to Cyprus and Finland in their career can't be a bad player. I was like, now, Grant, he didn't play in either country, but... Got sacked from one of them. He went to those countries and had a good time. Yeah. He went and had a good time, <laughs> yeah. The Dunleary Borough Hoops ran its first away bus. Great to see. I mean, do you know what I was thinking about Morgan? I was looking at the photo and there's Feek, right? there's Bill Gleeson, there's all the... Cody. The highbrow, upper-class hoops, you could say. But it was brilliant to see John Cody sitting there because, like, you're sitting next to a player who was in the four-in-a-row team, played for <laughs> Chelsea, drinking cans with you on the bus going to Rovers games. Once yeah. again, you just wouldn't get it. And it goes back to like this conversations I'd be having with Jaden and my son. So I'd be saying to him, we were talking about the Villa game, or no, we were talking about the Man City game, Liverpool. And he was saying, he was like, do you think VAR will ever come into the League of Ireland? And I says, 100% hope it never does. I says, never look, will. because it was no his, chance. his birthday last year, right? I said to him, what did you do for your birthday last year? He says, I was partying with the Rovers players. Since you you spent your birthday, we just happened to win the league, and the players were there, so we went. It was a coincidence, but that's what he said. He says, "Do you think that happens in England?" I said, "Absolutely not." Says a bodyguard would would slam you to the ground. You wouldn't get that close to them. Says, "Yeah, you have to be realised that you're very very privileged to have a league no, like this." The bodyguard Ronaldo will slap down your phone <laughs> yeah. before you get near him. But we ended up in the same place as the players on the day of his birthday, and he's never going to forget that. Like, think about yeah. it. He's going to grow up loving that. So. Well, you're talking about having cans on that bus to target. Realistically, how many cans could you neck in that short trip? Is that a real, real question, Pop? <laughs> do you want me? To, do you want to put that to the test? I'm sure a few did. But the detour around the Richmond Road as well, Prof sent them all over the shop. Little tour of, uh, of Drumcondra. That was a bit annoying because you're just you're looking down the the road and it's like the doors are just there. Why am I, I walking halfway around? Can Dublin? I walk down, please? After me getting the sixteen bus as well, bleeding tour around Dublin as well. The sixteen. Where did you get that? Harold's Cross. So you got that in Harold's Cross. <laughs> what did that used to be? Did that used to be something else or was it always the 16? I don't know. If I don't use public transport enough, man. They're all anything, different. But, oh my God. When, when it gets to O'Connell Street, it just <laughs> come, off walking. comes to a standstill. Yeah. We were just, we were, didn't do anything for about 20 I think, minutes. I think you're better off walking. Finally got there. The north side bogies welcomed me to their neck of the woods. Uh, Owen apologised profusely for shoving Derry's April and May fixtures in my face that time. But even saying that, I looked at them. <laughs> oh, shut up. I looked at them. Uh, and then I looked yeah. at ours, and then I said, okay, it's okay, it's okay. The weather was a mystery going into this game. We didn't know whether it would be sunny, snowing, raining. As Carl Curran said, we didn't know whether he'd be sunburned or getting hypothermia. But the fan songs on the night, Prof. Give us a rendition there. Just knock it down from... Uh, oh, that's Park. Yeah, what that what way did it go? Just knock it down. Yeah, I had a feeling that was it. And then, of course, the ones that came back to bite shells in the air scare. Something about them enjoying themselves and who the fuck are Shamrock Rovers? Well, we showed them who it was and Greener's left foot put them to the why, sword. Why would you sing that? You're just asking for trouble at the end. It is, man. They also sang Rings Ends number one. And uh, Staff, Staff had a good response to that. He said they're barely in the top three <laughs> in Rings End. That's CY. Irish Town over 35s are ahead of them. <laughs> 
Uh, we Maloney asking, when's the last time Shells had more fans than us in a stadium? Good I'd question. To go back to a long time. I'd say to go back to the Crow and the Bourne partnership, yeah. more than likely. It was it was my first time behind that goal. Uh, I heard one or two people say they hadn't been behind there since the 2002 Cup Final. Jeez, it's a long time. Yeah, a couple of people said it was a long time. It's so close to you. Like, the nets are just in your face. But that's what you want, isn't it? Yeah. You could nearly grab them, could you? I just remember walking in and I was like, oh, please. Please score into this end. It's going to be epic. <laughs> and, you don't uh, what you for, prop. But it is. It can be hard to generate an atmosphere with no roof. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. In general, the atmosphere on the ground was, was really good. Uh, props to Shells. Shells fans were good. Mm. Made a lot of noise. But... We, we never really got going, to be honest, in terms of atmosphere. Uh, I got, it's hard, though, without the roof, though, Prophecy. Yeah. I, I had to watch this one on LOI TV. Jaden had his confirmation party, so I was guilted into staying at home. This one, I'm playing the long game. I think a lot of fans out there might know what I'm talking about. You have to play the long game sometimes. You know, away trips are coming up. I was sick, though. Honestly, I was sitting there. All the kids <laughs> are around. Got that big game and bus. I'm looking out, and I'm going, I could just leg it. <laughs> they won't know us. Do an usher. Yeah, I could just do a burner. Get in there, see the match, and get back. And I just, I said, you know what? Take it on the chin. She's a Rover's widow with all that stuff. Just take it on the chin and, <laughs> and, and go for it. But um, I was actually in, I, I wasn't even off my phone the whole time. I think I put it out there saying, any spares DM me, right? So people are coming and going, how many spares have we got? I'm looking for them. Before you uh, say this, I opened up our Instagram, I think. Uh, when I got an. I did my part, I think. Holy Jesus, I think I checked the Instagram at about 6 o'clock when I got into the pub and I showed James Lowe and I said, like, look at the... Gareth's after is responding to about 30 people here. Like, <laughs> why are you doing this to yourself? I, but do you know what? I said, I do my part since I can't get there. I think I, I think I looked after like 10, 12 people for tickets. Fair play. So I was. So here's how it went, right? So let's say, I'll give you an example. Donald. Donald got on to me and says, I have two tickets there. I say, okay, right. Revolu or cash cash okay another fella gets in there's 10 or 12 people looking for spares I'm first person in right how do you, how do you want the ticket Revolu right you're gone that's only cash the next person cash okay you get on to Donald Donald there's his Instagram profile go talk to him and then I text the two of them separately he's okay yeah boom that's one spare gone and then another one Ricky Keegan Ricky Keegan's looking for it okay Ricky there's a ticket for you here's a number Ray Whelan gave me this number there you go boom 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 that's Ricky done just go back and forth running around Every, <laughs> they all got started in the end I'm fucking delighted. But, but uh, I was doing. I was sitting there, like I was sitting around. The kids were playing yeah. on that game, and bus. I said, "Fuck it, might as well go for it." But um, I'll do my best not to miss. I think this is the most I've missed in a four series. I missed two games now. Um, as many as Maloney. Just as many as Maloney. Are the white TV buddies now? Are you? Oh, stop. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, Prof, as rare as rock and horse shit. And we got everybody sorted, but a uh, great start if to that, the game. If that isn't the greatest expression ever, I don't know what is. <laughs> Brilliant. Rare as rock. An Aussie natism. But once again, start, second minute prof. Um, who won the golden goal? Who who took it home? It was Gar Bourne. Gar Bourne took the golden goal in the third minute. And excellent stuff from Richie Tell. Richie Tell is starting to grow into this role now. Loving this. Little knockoff. Takes a little touch and front of the box knocks it off to Lyons and Lyons just strokes it home by the keeper very nice goal prof do you know what I've not read any praise for this goal it's just been totally overshadowed by Greener lovely lovely this goal this was a great finish brilliant finish outside the box stroked home and a good assist by Tell Tell is starting yeah. to come into form now and this is what we want that's 3-2 and two for Lyons he's their second top goal scorer I couldn't you know? believe when he scored it I didn't know who <laughs> I was looking at it going no 
He could have couldn't be. He could have had three in the first half. Cutting in from that left hand side, yeah. getting central. Very, very nice. The funny thing was, I actually predicted we score an early goal on last week's podcast. You did, yeah, yeah. Although I said one nil, not two one. Uh, so first half chances, we were so dominant yeah. in this first half. We sh- we should have put these to the start. Could have been three or four. Some really, really good chances. We had all the balls. So here's some examples of our chances. Uh, there was two involved in Burke. One where he poked it over from, from inside the box. This was. This is what you put your house on, Bork scoring. It came in and it was a first time shot, half volley type, type, type of chance. But the, he buries these all day. I can't believe he put it over the bar. Looking at it again, I was watching yeah. it back and I was like, I can't believe Bork missed this. Or even didn't even hit the target. Yeah, like you don't appreciate from behind the goal how great an opportunity that was. Yeah. Only when you watch it back, you're like, hell, did not score there. And then a few minutes later, there was one where there was a long ball from Hoare. Burke controlled it beautifully, flashed it across goal, but Gaffney couldn't connect. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what most people are talking about was the Jack chance, wasn't it? A good save from Clark yeah. from uh, from Jack Byrne. How has he not played Clark up until the last couple of games? I heard the reason about that. I don't Go know. On. One of the podcasts said it. It's because um, they have some goalkeeper on loan. Shepherd, is it? Uh, I don't remember his name, but they had to play him for a certain number of games. Otherwise, he would have been released back to his club. So they wanted to hold on to him. So they had yeah. to give him the game time. Oh, one of those clauses. That was it, yeah. But Clark is Clark is a solid goalkeeper. No matter what. In the, he's always been good against us. Distribution is good. He's a good goalkeeper. And if you look at Duffer's clear out at Duffer's shells, I think Clark was like one of the only players left at yeah. Damien Duff's shell burn by the time the clear out. I mean, Damien Duff's shells totally cleared out that, that Damien Duff's shell burn dressing room in Damien Duff's Talca Park. I mean... It was a big one, especially down Damien Dust Richmond Road. 100%. And but another then, chance as well, Prof. Then we had what would have been a goal of the season contender. What a move this was. I think most of the team uh, were involved in this passing exchange. Ends up with Towel chipping it into to Lyons. And then Lyons kind of shot on the wrong side of uh, Clark's post. Yeah. But that would have been some goal. We're starting to click, Prof. Mm. We're starting to click. The wheels are turning. Now, in fairness, we did need a late winner, but we're getting there. We're getting there. In the fourth series, like I always say, you don't disregard it, but you don't pay too much attention to it. But we're very, very happy in that fourth half. And Finn, Finn or Andy were pushed up really high, weren't they? Uh, that's, that's, that's just the way we... I love playing like that. But I especially in this game, though, they were really high. But maybe that's what it was with Brads. Our Brads, I thought, this is how we're going to get at them. And ultimately, it paid dividends with, with the Lions getting the goal. So, so we, we got the winner in the end, but just... Is this becoming a bit frustrating for you now where, again, we're, we're so dominant in the first half but then we're still only winning 1-0 so the opposition still have that hope and we don't get that two-goal cushion. Am I gonna, is it going to be one of these now, Prof, where someone is going to take a slaughtering off us? Is it going to be one of them? They are, but there's also going to be a game where we dominate someone and we only have a 1-0 lead and they equalise and we can score again yeah they equalise late but someone is going to get the slap soon enough hopefully it's Pats on Friday man imagine that we're due a, a few slaps we're due to give them a couple of slaps but second half got underway and Brendan Clark back in front of the goal prof could you enlighten me with some of the jibes jobs aimed at him but to be honest this was my highlight of the night aside from obviously the greener goal it's when Clark is making his way towards our goal and then we watch, and then we all start going, Way! and then the smile comes across Clark's face, like, "Oh, here we fucking go!" 
And like you say, you're so close to him. Like you can nearly be face to face to him in the nets. You can have an old chat with him. Uh, I love it. I love it. It's one of the things. I love Did it, was there a man in the match chant now? Uh, oh yeah, the SSC Irish League man of the match is Brendan Clark. But he's, he's around such a long time, isn't he? Like yeah, I know we rate him as a keeper. Like you know, he's Pat's staunch, but he's like, he definitely is a good keeper. James Law was telling me about him being a Sporting Fingal keeper twelve years ago. Yeah, he 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 started getting deja vu. I remember standing behind this goal. Him I'm as watching, a Fingal player. Watching him. I think he was only briefly a Fingal, was he? And so maybe he's talking about when he played for for shells or pasta or whatever yeah so into the second half anyway prof and a ball whipped in on the left hand side for the equaliser this was a very very dangerous ball and a good finish from Farrell I think he's a shells fan himself as well this fella runs for days do you notice that his work rate is really good Um, but uh, good finish and I just thought to myself bollocks bollocks like that was uncharacteristically like from Grace as well I thought Grace lost him good ball in and all but I thought Grace should have dealt with it but listen, Lee Grace has been fucking monumental for us for a long time now. I wouldn't hold that too much against him. It was a, it was a mm. really, really good ball in. And Farrell just yeah. pokes it home, really, wasn't it? Well, that's the bit of the game plan. Second half wasn't to hit us on the break. Uh, said came out afterwards and said they were expecting them to, to press us second half like they did. But we just didn't deal with it. And it was it was a horrendous second half performance. Oh, it was really bad. Until Danny came on, to be honest. Until the last 10 minutes, really. Yeah. But that's what I'd be... I'd, I'd be wary of this because it's happened a couple of times now where we're really, really good in the first half. We're absolutely battering teams. Maybe score one. And a couple of guilt-edged chances like that we should really be taking. One-on-ones, all these chances. And then we come out in the second half isn't great. So, um, it's something that hopefully doesn't doesn't continue. But it was, um, it was a poor, poor second half. But like you said, lovely, lovely. 2-1... Win in the end with Greenard, and this was Danny kind of started it. Danny took it in from the left. Who who gave him the ball? Who's the who's the pass for the assist? Lovely ball out to Danny anyway. Well, Gaffney was actually involved in both goals. The way he he won the ball, so I don't know if it was technically assist before an assist, but Gaffney definitely started the build up for both goals. Yeah. So we should give it him a shout out. Big shout by Gaff. I just mentioned that before the goal, uh, Brazzer waited an unusually long time. To make his first sub, oh. seventy-two minutes. So we were wondering, like, did the hotline question make him a bit self-conscious here? Hashtag Brazil listens. <laughs> but then he said, "I better bring Green around just to make him happy." Yeah. <laughs> Brazil listens, man. I'm telling you. But listen, it worked ultimately. In the end, it was kind of fitting, though, wasn't it, that this happened? Like Danny makes an impact, Greener makes an impact. It, it demonstrates once again how important the big squad is. Listen, Prof, it's not we, we don't do these things for the crack. We plant these little seeds <laughs> here. But it was a uh, yeah, really good stuff. And uh, the ball, even the ball that the crossfield ball from Danny, it he took Greener off off guard a little bit and he kinda yeah. had to adjust himself. He'd no right to score. Absolutely no right to score. After that touch and the way he's almost turning back from the He was the goal. nearly facing they're the Shells fans and then he had to turn himself and bury it brilliant brilliant how finish. did he get so much power and direction the way his body was it was a phenomenal was Robin Hats as well he a was rasper. a and, rasper uh, a rocket did the uh, thunderbolt <laughs> cracker did um did the the away end erupt prof oh certainly did uh, I felt this was in the moment he struck it for some reason I, maybe it was Clark's positioning or something because at the time, it seemed a bit central. It was slightly central. It wasn't top, top corner. 
Still but there was finish. so much power, and I you couldn't. I don't. I don't think anyone could fault Clark on this call. But um, ah, oh, the way end was was mental limbs, limbs as they say, absolute limbs. Uh, another thing, a couple of people mentioned. I didn't realise he was outside the box either. He was good, but out. He was maybe twenty plus yards, maybe 22, 20 yards. Brilliant, brilliant. Again, the guy was kind of down lower, so the kind of crossbar was a bit obstructing me. Review a bit, so I was like, I thought he's just inside the box. Starting and it was 11's of predictions would be good now. Oil prof, greener Robin hats mm. as he celebrates. Was that Peter Fitzpatrick's hat? I'm not sure who he because told. Someone, I think it was uh, uh, this Austin Smith, was it the poet? Because someone asked, uh, did he get his hat back? And Peter just goes, yes. No, I think it. I think it was Austin. I think it was Austin Smith. When when you get a late mm. winner and he robs your hat, I think he put it up on Facebook. Yeah, so the two subs linking up for for the winner. So that's it. Once again, we've showed our strength and depth when it comes to the squad, and um, that's why we're champions. Rang out, prof. Yeah, and who the fuck are Shamrock Rovers? We sang back at shells. Ah, yes, I love it. And so that was that. Rings end was green and white. Individual performances, prof. A, a very. It took a lot of um, happiness from Richie Tell playing well again, getting an assist, and just. Getting better. That's what we want. That's what you want to be able to do. But now the the next question is, who do you play for this? I mean, you're going to have a good midfield. You're going to have Giff Forrester playing in the middle. Benson. I, I like these games against Pats because it's a it's always it's always a tough midfield battle. So it's going to be Gary mm. O'Neill and Richie Towell in the middle. Who's it going to be? Um, Jack yeah. Bourneprof. Jack's a bit off the boil. Towell had a great first half. Uh, faded in the second but then again the whole team faded in the second yeah. Jack Jack had a quiet game from start to finish to be honest it was this game was a bit of a quiet one for him yeah um, and like we say Gaffney uh, the way he pressed the opposition and then the incisive pass to, to start the move so Defo shout out to him mm-hmm and then we have Peter Clark here. Yes, Peter Clark says what I love about Green's goal is how many times it was so nearly stopped but wasn't. Ledwich just beating at source. A tactical foul that should have been made and a just missed toe to the ball. Huge moment in the season. I love the way he has dissected that goal like that. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. It's one of those like you just... I, I, I couldn't count how many times I've watched it back. I, I, I just keep... I feel like I keep learning something more about it every time I watch it back. It's one of those... Yeah, brilliant. Uh, the forward Danny and Andy celebrating as well brilliant one right in front of the fans great to see <laughs> yeah. loving it boiling the piss players who couldn't get their game for balls for some reason and now crucial there <laughs> they're not wanted they don't want, wouldn't take them back either the Andy Lyons songs are coming Gar. go on did um and apparently no, Maloney has one that's what I'm saying apparently on. Maloney has one uh, ready to unleash will it be Twig of Scotland for popularity they're on their way Brads are he praised on Danny for coming off the bench to find 30 minutes and driving us on to win it. He said he gave us the energy that we lost in the second half. And is this a little sneaky insight into the first team starting 11 coming up against Pats Prof? It very well could be. We'll find out in our starting 11 soon. Perfect way to describe it. He gave us the energy that we lost. Yep. Yeah. So are we scoring late goals again, Ger? Uh, well we we have that time but we could have done with a couple in the last mm. few but it seems to be Derry's forte now but we will move on Prof. I'm, I'm hoping that we don't need them. I'm hoping we start just be beating teams within the 90 and we don't have to rely on that because it's not good for your health it's not good for our health anyway <laughs> Tommy Tommy uh, very interesting <laughs> what was it? I was laughing at Tom. I was laughing at Tommy's hotline last last week Rovers don't run <laughs> brilliant <laughs> yeah so we Tommy Tommy 
Uh, Duffer and Joey single points of Guinness and Mars on Ballybock in, of Ballybock after the game. Couldn't get close enough to hear whether or not they were doing the at History LOS Tuesday trivia quiz. Although at Rui Dunstar thinks they were. So Dunstar reckons they were doing uh, a little bit of homework <laughs> for the show. <laughs> Can only imagine them there. Joey going, fuck, got an eight. Yeah, he's like, oh, wait, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Green book, green book. <laughs> listen, listen. Ah, li- ah, listen. Yeah, Joey's just sitting there, arms crossed after getting ten. <laughs> Come on, Duffer. Oh, you know what? Davey Mack is on that coach and stuff. Dave, there you go. That's the, that's some quiz team. Well, Duffer was the one letting them Remember down. Remember, Joey denied twice in the tip in the yeah, question geez, of the East End yeah. final about Davey Mack. Uh, yeah, so really, really happy with that, Prof. Uh, was there points after it? Um, no, apparently the the Rings End lads had a, a jolly old time since Rings End was green and white now. But uh, just on the Damien Duff. Shelburne thing, right? Do you know, like, there was a trip. There's a thing? As in, like, WhatsApp groups are doing it. There was a Tread and Roberts chat where someone called everything Damien Duff Shelburne, and then all the replies were that. Have, have we started this, or what happened? I don't know. Have we? Because I know your dad highlighted it for me, and he was like, Do you remember? They're not called Shells anymore. I was like, Yeah, and then we and said then we that. started it. I'm hoping we started it. <laughs> If anyone else, maybe, I don't know, it probably picked up in the media or the journals, but yeah. I'm hoping we started it. Uh, so other results, Prof, you're really happy with that. you got to be happy with a 2-1 win. It keeps us uh, chasing the tails of Derry. Other results, draw the one, Bowes won with an 88-minute equaliser by Dean Williams. Uh, soft, as they were described. Good man, Dino. Bowes were described as being soft. Long will stay. Unnamed, bearded central midfielder. Um, Merrill. Fellow um, LMS bag, and folks, the replies to the Bose full time tweets great content. Also, the VHS flute and Al Cali are having a back and forth. Thanks, all and well done. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Here, Bose Twitter has been brilliant the last couple of days. Have you noticed they're all going oh, to melt over tickets? The ticket thing now, none of them can get tickets for games. Every site they go on <laughs> keeps crashing. And they're adding that onto the pitch as well. They're being shy on the pitch, so they're like, "Fucking can't get a, can't even get in to watch them." They're that shy. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. I love reading the Twitter replies now. Ah, oh, cracking up. Harps won, Derry two, and of course, a late goal, wasn't it? It was a late goal, wasn't it? No, Harps got a late goal. Harps they got a free kick. Patching is apparently running the show. There, Harps got a late goal, and Derry went two 0 up. So. A lovely free kick from Patchen. Sligo 2, UCD 2. Sligo have fell off the, the, the rails totally, haven't they? They've they lost ne- two at home. They nearly they lost sh- that one. Yeah, so that would have been three at home on the bounce. Um, Whelan scored a cracker. Uh, your man, Ma- I think, what was his name? Mako, or whatever whatever his name is, I'm getting it wrong here, but he scored one in either half of them. So, Pat's nail versus Dundalk. So, the snakes and the pigs' heads were all Handshake over the place. Handshake gate. Handshake gate, yeah, that was a... Tricky one, and after speaking with Sean Francis today, and how nice of a man Alan Matthews is, I'm not. I'm not sure Paggio will agree with us there with that one. See the look on his face, but uh, it wasn't. It didn't go down well at all. So obviously, there's some sort of snakery going on there, Puff. Just a note: uh, James Bennett put up an interesting table in uh, our chat. Uh, up to the or from the 61st minute to the 90th minute of games. In the league table, balls are bottom. Played nine, one none, drawn five, Jesus, lost they really four. Fade, don't they? In the first sixty minutes of the league, they're top of the league. Oh my god, they just fall off a cliff <laughs> altogether, don't they? 
That is amazing. That's got to do with... Honestly, it's got to do with training. It's got to do with them probably training in the evenings, not training enough. There's a few... There's a few... Uh, Things that you could, you could factors that you could put in there. So, so that's the first series of games over with now. It's just we got to make sure that Long and Crawley stick around. It's a really good management team. Long must stay. Um, we got the Rovers under nineteen is Drew Nilal with Dundalk and Tallet. Seventeens beat Drogheda four three in a home dinger at the Academy, and the fifteens one two one at Shelbourne, which is a brilliant, brilliant result. The Shells and Rovers games at that level have been brilliant. Women's lost 4-1 away to DLR Waves and the women's 17s won 2-1 at Bowes so another derby win for the ladies and excellent stuff. Upcoming fixtures prof we've got the 19s away versus Derry on Sunday I'm guessing it's up somewhere in and around the Craigan. 17s away versus Bray on Saturday under 19s women home versus Shells on Sunday and under 17s women home versus Athlone on Saturday so no 14s or 15s games this week so the week off for Gertz he'll enjoy a few points of the G. <laughs> And a lion on the weekend. So, uh, Portsmouth boss, Prof. Danny Cowley says that Ireland number one Gambazunu will be badly missed by the League One club next season. No shit, Sherlock. This is some crazy. When he returns to Man City at the end of his loan spell. Bazunu has starred for Pompey this season on loan, playing 37 out of 39 league games. And manager Cowley has heaped praise on the Dubliner, who's only 11 games left before he leaves, or 7 games left before he leaves on his loan ends. Exceptional, exceptional, top. Cowley told Hampshire Live when asked to describe his inner season. I've spoken about him many times and I normally don't speak about the young ones because I don't like them to get ahead of themselves but he has got such an unbelievable mindset that it doesn't matter that I speak of him well because he will always want better. He's a student of the game. He's so bright. For someone so young, I don't know whether he had the world at his feet or at his hands. He is top. Brilliant. I love him. I'm going to miss the kid. I'm really, really, really going to miss him every single day. <laughs> he's the nicest kid. He's so humble. So keen to get better. Cowley added, no matter how well he does, he never gets ahead of himself. He's got time for everybody. He's so driven and focused. However, however good a goalkeeper he is, he is absolutely top. He's even a better human being and we love him. <laughs> Fuck me. I've never read that. I think, I think he likes him. Maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> wow. Maybe a little too much of anything. Right, Prof, let's start the bidding at 30 million. 30 million from Newcastle and the new owners. Thank you very much. James Park, in there you go. 30 million for each hand. 30 million. Honestly, we're, that clause is going to get us a few quid, prof. In the news uh, the other day, it says some leading European clubs are showing an interest. So Imagine him lining out for Roma or some, some massive team. Somewhere right now, our accountant is just salivating. Like you're sitting there. Just gone. Sell on clubs. That's it. Like you're sitting and you're thinking there. You're any scout or any manager worth their salt is looking at him playing international football and thinking, right? He is a brilliant goalkeeper. This is the hottest young goalkeeper in the game. No, no, no word about it. Name another teenage international goalkeeper that is as good as him. Well, his stock is fucking sky high. So he is. Her, others will argue. He is officially the hottest goalkeeper. In the world right now, hot fucking property, and he's in today's game. He's thirty million minimum. Come at me, bruh. So that's it, bruh. We're gonna uh, a few quid coming in soon, hopefully. So uh, yeah, that that's that's a ridiculous quote from from the gaffer. It really is. Um, Karim Benzema, prof. He killed Chelsea in the Champions League. Thirteen years old from scoring his first goal for Real against Rovers and Tala. Uh, Benzema's very very good centre forward. Thirteen years. Well, no, we shouldn't be surprised at that number because. We know the first game in Tata was 13 years ago, but 
just seems mental to me that he scored that goal 13 years ago. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, I think he's an underrated striker, really, as well. I think Matt Yodell, friend of the show, mentioned this as well about how good he's been for Real Madrid and how much of a player he is and underrated. Like, but uh, yeah, no, Benzema, fantastic striker. Emma Wheatley, the Wheats, says Gary doing the quiz is now my new favorite thing on the podcast. Um, I, I, I'm gonna get 10 one of these days, prof. A few people have said this to me that they, they're loving this, they're loving the panic. And uh, James, again, another shout out for young James. He made a great point on the trip to um, Harps that what makes it work even better is that most people have already done the quiz themselves. So they know it. They know the, the questions and answers. Mm. Makes it even funnier. That's, that's very astute. That's a good point. Um, the I'll get 10, right? So if I get 10, come on, let's do it. I won't eat me on Mickey. <laughs> I have to think of something. Think of something if I get 10, right? Streak across that. You don't want to see that. Um, I'll do something. I'll do something, right? I'll think of something anyway. So if uh, if I get 10 eventually. Right, so Prof, here we go. Here's the choose the trivia. Now, I, <laughs> the thing is, I'll be focusing so much on the questions. Then I see the timer. <laughs> and then everything just comes together. And I can't deal with the pressure. Just whatever you've been doing, please keep doing right, that. Right, okay. I won't, I won't change the style. Okay, choose the trivia, 12th of April. Here we go. Today is the 35th anniversary of Rovers' last ever first team game at Milltown. Who scored the last goal? I know this. I was only talking to him on the phone today. Mick Bourne, Noel Larkin, Harry Kenny, Pat Bourne, Mick Bourne. Yeah, I knew I was talking to him today. Uh, the Milltown Monument was erected in what year? Literally, just talked about. 1988, 1990, 2007, 2017, 1998. No, wait. It got, it got delayed. 20, uh, no, no, 98. No, wait. 10, 98. Yes. Because did he talk about it got delayed? Which club the Rovers beat in the 2012 Leinster Senior Cup final? Collinstown, Moctis, Colester, Pat C.Y. Rings End Club, Pat C.Y. 303. Who scored the winning goal that day? Ooh, Daryl Kenny. Daryl Kevin and Billy Denny, Kenno man, Aaron Green. Aaron Green told Mark Keane to fuck off. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll do a four. Here. Friday's late winner at Talca Park was Green's first goal of the season and his first away goal since where last August? Ooh, uh, away goal. Greener, Drada, Finn Harps, Waterford, Longford. Oh, L- Longford, no. Waterford, Finn Harps. Did he score from Finn Harps? Did he score in Drada? Oh, man. Oh, uh, <laughs> calculated guess here. Uh, Finn Harps, Longford. Uh, Longford. No, draw it. I can't remember it. I can't remember it at all. Which of these defenders was not a Stephen Bradley signing? Madden, Webster, Luke Bourne. All of them. Oh, all of them's throwing me off here. It wasn't Madden, wasn't. Because Madden. No, Madden wasn't. He's a real tinker, isn't it? Oh, Dave Webster. No, Nutsy. Nutsy signed Webster. All of them. Yes! <laughs> Who was the last player Rover signed directly from St. Pat's? Davy Mack, Keith Fatty, Greg Bulger, Barry Morphy. Barry Murphy not getting a game, maybe? Greg Bulger, no. Keith Fatty. We did sign Keith Fatty directly from... Pa- no, we did. Or did we? Oh, prof. You're an awful man. I'm going to go Barry Murphy's trick question. No, Keith Fatty. I fucking said it. I Should knew it. with your goal on that one. True or false? St. Patrick's athletic, athletic manager, Tim Clancy. I've only got a minute left, bro. Uh, Tim Clancy made less than 10 appearances as a rover player. Oh, this is tough. True or false? Big arse on him, remember? Uh, false... No, wait, less, wait, 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 hold on, less than 10 appearances, I'm going to say false. No, true. Rovers and St. Pat's have met in a league game for the first time, wait, Rovers and St. Patrick have met in a league game for the first time in which decade? They made in the 20s, I'll say 30s. No, 30s. No, 50s? What's they met? That's when past the end of the league, the 50s. Oh, right? I thought they, they formed in 28, wasn't it? Uh, which Dutchman played for, oh, 30 seconds, which Dutchman played for Rovers in a friendly with Celtic and Talent in 2017? Jordi Balk. 
Barry Maguire, Eddie Van Boxel, uh, Jordi Balk. No, Tim Lindhorst. What did Bal- I get? Balk was the Pats player. Oh, man. Tim yes. Lindhorst. Yes. Remember, remember yes. Brazzer had an anecdote about him. Tim <sighs> Lindhorst. Being shy. <laughs> being, a, being a fall for most of Celtic's oh, nine, 5 out of 10 I got the first goals. 5 right and then it just like Rovers against Tolkien just fell off a cliff or Rovers against uh, Damien Dub Shells 5 out of 10 that was so promising once Fe- again that was thoroughly enjoyable <laughs> and a whirlwind of a t- a 3 minutes right so uh, that is it for um, we have to get the quiz back don't we it's it's hard enough to kind of get in the roadstone nowadays but we have to get the quiz back that was great crack um, who do you think actually out of current squad would be quiz inclined? Who have we got? Andy Lyons would, I guarantee you. Smart young guy. We've still never quizzed Ferrugia. Yeah, Ferrugia and Andy Lyons, that's who I'm going to say for my top picks. The problem is Ferrugia might have the old book smarts for the leaving cert, but maybe he'll fall down at pop culture yeah, and stuff. Yeah, you can ask him about some chemical formulas, but you won't know who <laughs> the fucking lead singer of the Oasis is, you know? So that is it. And the stats prof, hit me. There is a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stats <laughs> So Andy Lyons scored in the second minute against Shelburne. What was on the clock? I think one thirty-nine, something like that. It's the fastest goal since Ronan Finn scored. No, it would have been two thirty-nine, I think, because it was the third minute, maybe. No, it was the second minute. <laughs> Go on. Fastest goal Robert scored since Rona Finn in the second minute of a 5 0 win at home to Limerick in September 2018. And actually, Pico scored in Dundalk in the second minute a couple of weeks before that as well. So we've done it a few times under Brazzer. Uh, Gary Shaw did it in Galway 2017. Mm-hmm. Davy Mack at home to Harps. Gary Shaw and Galway, things that make you smile. Yeah. What do you think the fastest goal we've ever conceded is under Brazzer? <sighs> Give me a number. Oh fuck, man! I need. To, I want to think to an actual instance, though. You know what I mean. I want to think back and be able to. Mm, I'll say five. It's the fourth minute. The fourth. It's happened a few times. Sean Maguire when Cork annihilated us in the cup. Five That's what nil. I was trying to think back. I was thinking back to the very start of his reign. Yeah, uh, yeah. Russell scored in the fourth minute for Sligo. It was up there, wasn't it? Up there, yeah. yeah. And last season, Chris Forrester scored in Richmond after only four minutes. I think that match ended one 0 didn't it? The Russell one. I actually don't remember the score. Of that one. I think I might have, yeah. So that was the first goal Shelburne scored against us. Sorry, who? Shelburne. Not familiar. Demi up Shelburne. Yes, there we go. <laughs> scored against us. He was manager at the time. <laughs> in six years since a Danny North own goal, Fucking hell. a League Cup tie, which we won on penals. At Damien Duff's Talca Park. It's the first league game we've played at Talca in front of fans since a 2-1 win in August 2013. Wow. First league game that is now. Mark Quigley scored and got sent off in the same match. Oh. And we've played twice. Uh, we had played twice at Talca since then. There was uh, in front of fans when talking about obviously 2020 COVID. We played Sheriff in an FEI Cup game in 2014 I remember that and we played Shells in the Cup 2017 so there were now nine league games on being against Shells since 2005 their longest run against them since a run of 13 in 1983 <laughs> oh that prop with the stats so Greener notched his 34th goal for Rovers in that game so have a listen of our Tala era top scorers 
we have Twig88. Go on. Cave59. <laughs> we have to get him on the show. <laughs> How have we not had him on yet? Burke. And Twig, the two top scorers in the Tala area we haven't had in the show. It's like a disgraceful. Burke54. Finn53. Melee 42, Denny 37, and Greener 34. Greener 34? So that puts him 7th. 7th. And under Brazzer, he is 2nd because it's Burke 54, Greener 30. He got 4 goals under Stephen Kenny. But Melee was 2nd for a long time there under Brazzer. Melee has 24 under Brazzer. Melee, man. What could have been? What? So, a couple of 100 league appearance landmarks. There was one that I actually missed. I was asleep at the wheel. Apologies. Uh, the Sligo game. That was Berkey's 100th league appearance. And Whoa, on, you missed that one. I Surprised. missed it. And on Monday, Watts can potentially make his 100 league appearance if he plays both games. Oh. And on that note, I think I've mentioned this before, a pet peeve of mine. If that stat goes out on Monday or Tuesday, that Watts made his 100 league appearance, Watch how many fucking media outlets will pick that up and just write 100th appearance and leave out the word league. Oh yeah, that Total- really annoys you, doesn't it? Totally altering the stat. He's played way more than 100 in cup games and European matches. Wrecks my head. It's a big difference though, it is. And I totally agree with you, it's lazy, isn't it? It's lazy journalism. So we have 17 points after the first round of games. Uh, this time last year we had 23, the same number... Derry currently have. Mm. There you go. Prof with the stats. I'm not sure uh, if I like it, Prof. Uh, the Pats win over us in Richmond. That was their first win over us in 14 meetings since 2018. And they've not won on any of their last 10 visits to Tata since a League Cup semi-final win here in 2016. That's rough. And we're coming up on nearly a year unbeaten at home in the league. That was May against Sligo. Jinx, Lowest Farmer Bander, etc. The end. <laughs> Thanks. Probably nice one. Just real me fucking week. Um, yeah, so up next we have Start 11s. Predictions. So it is a little bit tough at the minute prop, but I don't think we can change a winning team too much. Don't tinker too much with it. And considering it's Pats, there's going to be a battle of the Titans in the middle of the park. I'm going to have to stick with the same one. Possibly Manus, Grace, Hor, Gannon. Pico, not too sure if he's ready yet, but I think I was happy enough with the three at the back. Lyons on the left, Stain on the left. Finner on the right. Tell and Gary O'Neill in the middle again. I think Tell is starting to come to form. You can't drop a form player. Tell stays in that team for me. Gary O'Neill stays in the team for me. And then comes Jack, who was poor against Shells. But do you, Jack, do you drop Jack Bourne and then see what happens against Sligo? We do went 2-0 down. Jack came on at halftime, changed yeah. the game. So do you start Jack or do you bring him on from... Who would you start ahead of Jack? Jack, ahead of Jack is Danny because he came on and had a good game. Okay. Changed the game. Was it harsh on Danny? I think for this game alone I'm going to go Jack Gaffney, Bork up top. I don't think we can drop him because I like dropping Jack Bourne. Like it's the whole thought process of it. I don't think we can drop Jack for this game against Pats at home. Think about it. Yeah, the problem is our, our two subs made the impact in that game. Danny and Greener. So you might say, oh, they deserve to start now. But Gaffney's undroppable in his current form. Brilliant. We know what Jack can do on his day. Yeah. So if the problem is who they replace, 
if you bring them in. I want to be able to see this midfield partnership that we're screaming out for since McInef left, you could say, it could develop with Towell and Gary O'Neill. They could have that partnership mm. together. That's what I want to blossom out of this. So it's more of hoping for anything like Towell's energy, Gary O'Neill's goil in the middle of the park. You know, I'm hoping Jack, Bourke and Gaffney can just spring it. But like I said, we've got Watts, like Greener, Danny on the bench. Like it's a brilliant, brilliant bench. Item off a pace. My only change is Pico back in if he's fit. Yeah, if he's fit now. Which I'm means... I'm starting Richie Tell. When was the last time I put him in my 11? You've taken him out every time I've had him in. <laughs> yeah. And for predictions, Prof, I'm going to be realistic. I think I said 4-2 last week. I'm gonna, And a Borky hat-trick. I'm going to say 1-0. And Jack Bourne. Jack Bourne to run the show and win it for us. Hopefully. Wishful thinking and all that. Like you said, we're due to... I'm not going to talk about hockeying pats because, you know, it's unlikely. I hate when we play balls every time we're due a hammering over these. It's like, oh, we just stop. Yeah. It's going to be 1-0 like it always is. It doesn't happen. like. But there is a game coming soon. I reckon it could be Dundalk. I reckon we're going to put three or four against Dundalk. Um, I, I'll i agree with you. I'll go, I'll go 3-0 Dundalk. One of those games. And... Uh, I'm going to say 4-1 against Undock we're going to have O'Donnell live after the game as well so I'm going to see how he gets on 4-1 against Undock and a close 1-0 over Pats that's it we're in agreement there Prof so that's it for stats starting 11s and predictions but the, uh, next up Prof Mick Neville and Robbie Murphy dropped into the lair recently for a good chat about Milltown this is one you won't want to miss who lived every Rovers fan's dream of playing in a game for the club and Mick's famous four in a row team so friendly in Newbridge and it tied in nicely with our player of the year series as well so here we go Prof an absolute cracker so now to mark the 35th anniversary of Milltown we're joined now by two members of Rovers legendary four in a row team it's Mick Neville and Robbie Murphy so welcome lads thank, thank you Carl good to be here yeah absolutely so we'll go back to the very start well, I'll start with Robbie actually uh, mm-hmm. how did you get into following Rovers how did I get into following Rovers okay um I was told the first game I was at was 1968 against Celtic. I remember nothing about it, except like, there was such a big crowd there, I was thrown on the side of the pitch. They were European cup holders. Uh, I, yeah, I think they won in 67, yeah. I think, wasn't it? Yeah, so um, it was on the telly, I believe. I remember seeing myself on the news. They showed on the news that night, I saw myself on the side of the pitch. Um, so ever since then, really, my dad used to go down and watch Condra. I suppose any time I saw the green and white, that was it. I was just hooked. And ever since then, what can I say? So Mick, what, repu- that really? what reputation did Rovers have in the late 70s, early 80s under John Giles? Were they a big draw for players? Yeah, they would have been. I think their name and um, obviously with the Irish connection at Celtic and Rovers would be viewed as the Celtic of Ireland, I suppose. So yeah, they would have been a big draw then. And uh, you kind of have a big footballing family. Your uncles play for Pats. Your nephew is uh, Stephen Beattie, so football is a big part of your family. Yeah, I had uh, I, I actually had one played with Rovers as well. One of my dad's brothers played with Rovers in goal, apparently. Never never saw a team sheet with him on it, but apparently he did. One played for Pats, his youngest brother played for Pats. Supposed to be a really good player. Um, and yeah, my, my nephew is Stephen Beattie that played with Cork. Uh, he's won two leagues and a couple of cups with Cork as well, just recently yeah. retired. So, um, yeah, we have a good pedigree, I suppose. This is one of the first questions we got in. Uh, did you enjoy your years playing football in the park in Ardbeg? 
the crescent against the park or the road against the drive yeah it's it's interesting because there's a there's a group um an artane group and a lot of my old friends that i would have hung around with are on that group and they bring up constantly the road leagues and when they beat me in um, but i actually i had a great memory of that it's, it's it's a quick story i won't keep you keep you all day with it but a fella called brendan Conlon, you might know him he's a huge rovers fan and um, brendan was used to manage the teams on the on the road and he let me sit on the wall one day and it was only i think it was only about 10 or 11. i was only small then i hadn't hadn't got a growth sport then at that stage i didn't start growing until i was about 14 or 15. but um We'd, we'd won the double and uh, I remember Brendan meet me over in Milltown and he says to me, Jeez, you've had a great career all the same, haven't you? And I said, yeah, thanks to you. He said, what do you mean? I said, the time you left me sitting on the wall, I said, in our bag. I said, I'll never forgive you for it. So I, I reminded him of that about 20 years later. It, didn't, it was something that stuck in my head. But uh, yeah, now they, they come up and they say, you know, it's five asides then, seven asides, street leagues. They were the things then when we were playing. Yeah. And you've obviously had a decorated career, and it began at Home Farm. Was it three seasons at Home Farm and one at uh, Drogheda? Yeah, I was playing. I would play for the the youths on a Saturday, and play for the first team on a Sunday. That's the way it was at Home Farm. And um, I came right up through the ranks at Home Farm. I was lucky that a, a man on the road brought me up to the mini leagues in Home Farm when I was about eight, I think. I played with um, Manchester City in the in the mini leagues. And Leeds were my team. Leeds were the big team then, obviously. But um, Billy Bremner was my idol then. And then um, we beat. We got got to the final in. We played in the big pitch in Home Farm. Uh, I scored probably one of, the, which was strange for me. We got beaten four one by Leeds. That was my memory. Sorry, but, um, can I interrupt you for one second there? Sorry, and what year was that? Can you remember what year that was? When you played the uh, Home Farm mini leagues. Well, it would have been eight. So well, I'm sixty one now. So same as me. So I used to play in the mini leagues as well. Yeah. Ronnie, I've actually played with Ronnie Whelan. His dad, Ronnie Senior, was the manager. So right, well, I'm, I'm sixty-one as well. So probably in the same year, maybe. Yeah, I haven't missed you then because Ronnie played with us then a year down ah, at home farm. <sighs> right, Richie Marr and yeah, we we played with that. We had a really good side at home farm. We yeah. won won a lot of stuff at home farm, and then got through to the first. They were League of Ireland then, so yeah. I was two or three years with with mm. um. I think it was two years I was with home farm's first team. Um, and then Ray Tracy came looking for me for Drada. Yeah. So that's how that started. Ray obviously won the title with us then. He, he went did. on to win in 94. 94, yeah. That was in the RDS, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jim McLaughlin signed that's you twice. Um, 1983 for Rovers and again for Derry. And uh, reading your interview in the 42, that he similar places the, the deals were, were signed in. So do you remember signing for Jim? Yeah, they were, they were two car parks. Sounds a bit <laughs> tricky, but no, they, were, they were two car parks. One was in Northside. I had Noel King on one side of me and Jim McLaughlin on the other in Jim's van. Jim used to drive a huge white van then. And uh, probably the three of us looked a bit suspicious in Northside car park anyway. But I had um, talked to Dr. Tony O'Neill about going to UCD at one stage and um, I, I had to meet him the next day, but I signed for Rovers the night before. But I couldn't tell mm-hmm. Tony. I had to be true to me word and go and talk to him. But... Um, I agreed to go to Rovers then. Um, I knew Noel from Home Farm, obviously, and I had I hadn't known Jim, but Darren McKeeley first kind of approached me about going to Rovers and and moving away from Drada maybe. But uh, yeah, I, I then I was working in Inchicore and um, in CIE in the works in Inchicore, which is a big pat space. And um, yeah, Jim came then for Derry, but we had an embargo on us for three months. We couldn't go anywhere. 
uh, because the FEI had put a, or the League of Ireland had put a three month embargo on anyone leaving Shamrock Rovers didn't want to leave I don't think any of the players would have left if we had still been at Milltown or even had stayed but Tolka because the Rovers the boycott at Tolka was yeah. desperate for the mm-hmm. players at the time and for the club has to be has to be honest and again I've said it I've said it umpteen times since we probably didn't realise how important Milltown was to the supporters at the time because mm-hmm. we were just players we just wanted to play and we we like we had a fantastic team and a fantastic camaraderie and you wouldn't want to leave it like but it was just it just got to the stage where the supporters had kind of given up on it and the players had given up on it because it was just gone so we were going to away games and we wouldn't go into you know the home yeah. games just, just but you'd be coming out you'd be coming out you'd be getting yeah. sick were you there as a protest, Robbie? Were you? I was, but yeah. I, ne- I never abused anyone. If, if I wanted to go into a Rovers, I wouldn't. There's no way I'd stop them. But yeah, I was on the yeah. Yeah, I was on the picket line. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think, I think on. historically you'd understand it now more so than you would then. As a player, I'm talking about now, and I know Dermot has even come out and said it, Dermot Keeley. But like Indeed, yeah. for us, it was just playing. Football. We mm. we play football, and that's that's yes. what we we were there to do. And I think when you look at it now and you see Milltown gone, you see Flower Lodge gone, they're talking about Talca Park gone, like, you know, it, it nice, it'd be nice to reverse it and get a few back. Correct. And get a couple of, keep a couple of decent grounds. Well, there's a big movement to save Talca. Whether it works or not, I'm not too sure, you know. Yeah, it's, a po- it's, it's been a positive, I think, um, I done one of these there a while back and I mentioned, I, I mentioned Talca because I'm probably one of the only persons that played for three teams in Talca. Um, which is probably historical yeah, in itself. Record, not yeah. too many have yeah. played three teams, but I think just if talk is full, it's very like yeah. Milltown in a lot of ways. The atmosphere is fantastic. I mean, I remember, I'd always remember the Celtic night we had in Milltown. Just the place was absolutely rocking, and I've been it been in talk a few times, and that's happened as well. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the council and Charles can come to some sort of agreement, because to lose another ground. I mean, we talked about Finn Harps and. Um, Finn Harps and draw to get new grounds but you know everything's delayed and put on the long finger it's going to take another few years before they even get, get going with the looks of things but hopefully they get across the line at some stage and we get some positivity around the league I think the league at the moment I mean there's sellouts all over the place that's all you're hearing is grounds are sold out so there's obviously something there um, RT, I'll just throw this in RT and Virgin Media have a lot to answer for as well because they're not covering the games they prefer to cover Australian rules girls football which is an absolute Joke or Welsh rugby, and um, with all due any, respect, any rugby, I think, or GAA. Yeah. I mean, and don't, and don't put the League of Ireland on, I think yeah. it's absolutely scandalous. It's a goal, it's Rovers game, nothing, not yeah. even the radio, yeah, shocking because it was mm. Wales were playing France, I think, it's on Six Nations, yeah. you know what I mean, yeah, even right. put on the, the RTE play or something, yeah, you know, it's the biggest game in Ireland. That's like Sky Sports ignoring United against Liverpool or yeah. BT, you know, it's the same I think thing. there's so much, so it's many other sports 11. being given, of course, the go ahead against League of Ireland that they, they always made the thing that there was no. There's no crowds or people don't watch it, but it's been proved now at the moment. Grounds have been sold out everywhere every yeah. every Friday night, which is fantastic. So, do you think some people are getting fed up with English football? You know the yeah. money and you know I think yeah. people are getting fed up with that as well. They want you know yeah, yeah. real what's, what I like to call real football. You know Can real you fans it, yeah. or whatever. Go yeah, watch your, your local team. Yeah. Yeah. It's only fifteen euro. Do people even realise how much it is? Yeah. I don't think they do. Mm-hmm. You know, where else we get fifteen euro? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for Look how much it costs to get the ferry and all the whole package to go to Old Trafford or Anfield. Yeah, I, I just been, I just back from England. With, I went to over there with the Irish on the nineteenth. We were playing qualifiers and going over on the plane in the morning. Like there's a lot of Aston Villa and Arsenal fans going over. Like and you're, you're just looking at there. And Tom Mon, who's who's our manager with the nineteenth, he's all he's often mentioned the millions that leave the country every weekend. 
to go to to go to English clubs, and then if England are playing Ireland, they're hammering that the English team when they come out, and they're the players that are regular support and every yeah. every second week going over to England. Yeah, correct. But that's that's football in Ireland for you. So your first season at Roberts was a bit of a write-off, wasn't it? You broke your leg against Bowes. Uh, you didn't play that much that season. Yeah, I, I did. I had a nightmare start. Um, I played a few games and broke my leg, yeah, tackle with John Rayner up in um, up in Dalymount. Um, I was out for a long time. Came back against Bowes again in the derby. Thought I'd broken it again. With the, I was actually only talking about this during the week. We had tackle with Gina Lawless. Not a good man to tackle when you're when you're coming back into no. the game. Oh, Gino, yeah, yeah, no, it was carried it off about. again, and I just thought this is this is a nightmare stuff. So anyway, cut a long story short, I went to the, went to St Vincent's Hospital. One doctor told me there's a hairline fracture still there, but I'll send you down to the the doctor downstairs. Went downstairs. Doctor said you're free to train on Thursday. <laughs> and I I tell you now, my dad was my dad brought me over to St Vincent's. I ran out of the hospital as quick as I could <laughs> because I was gone for I went from oh, below zero when the doctor told me there's a hairline fracture still there and then to tell me when I went down the stairs to tell me that it was okay to train on tours I just couldn't believe it yeah. so I didn't go back to the doctor upstairs trust me <laughs> yeah, of course. but yeah the first year was a ride off for me and ironically the first game was against Rod as well in the league because I always remember that because I was looking forward to it and then obviously I cracked my leg then in the, the Bowes game and you're still pals with Mick Burns. I asked him for a question and he said, ask him about Keely's tackle in the Linfield game in the European Cups. This was in Linfield. Up in Belfast. Linfield. Don't remember it. No. If I did I couldn't talk about it. Probably <laughs> X-ray. I know about his I know about his kicking the ball in Daily Mount. He broke his leg. Did Mick tell you that one? He must have, yeah, he's been on the show a few times, yeah. Yeah, he had a he had a hairline fracture. We didn't know he had a hairline fracture, he hadn't trained all week. He just thought it was a dead leg. And they are sore shin, and um, we played balls in the cup in Dalymount, and uh, then we went to pull on the ball and stubbed his toe on the ground and actually broke the leg. And Paddy Daly thought he was ref- the referee thought he was wasting time because we, we were I think we were winning one 0 at the time, and um, came down to me and he just said to him Paddy's leg broke simple as that. <laughs> so they took him off and they put him in a stretcher and um, had him in the dressing room went to take him out of the dressing room in Dalymount and couldn't. If you know the, the dressing rooms in Daily Mount, you can't turn. Turn, that's right. So they couldn't get the stretcher around, yeah. so they had to bring, bring him through the bar. Yeah. And they brought him through the bar and lifted up the latch and dropped the latch on his good leg. And he maintains it was he maintains it was a bowls. It was a bowl support that did it. But he actually actually had to carry him through the bar to get him to the ambulance, to get him to the hospital. So, yeah. Sorry, Carl, just yeah. sorry to make again for interrupt, but I think, uh-huh. if I'm not very much mistaken, I think that tackle might have been on David Jeffrey. If I'm very much mistaken in that game, I think that was the nil-all draw in the European Cup. Nil-nil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was David Jeffrey, and it was a cruncher. Right. Typical, typical Keely. We could do him now, actually, to be quite honest. With you. <laughs> I think that's one thing we always lack is a, a kicking centre half. Yeah, he'd be arrested yeah, now, I think. Yeah. But uh, I believe you played in midfield and defence your first couple of seasons, and then it wasn't until this Spain Portugal tour '85 that you kind of ended up being moved to centre back, and then you stayed there. Yeah, you, you know your stuff because uh, yeah, not many people knew that. I I I work for the FEI now and I bring it up on coaching courses that kids, you know, and or even when I'm training kids, I'm saying like, who am I to tell you at ten or twelve what you're going to be? I I played centre half and I was twenty five. I hadn't played it before. Um, yeah, I'd signed as a midfielder. Uh, I played with Drada right side of midfield. Went to Rovers as right side of midfield. Broke my leg. Came back 
and Liam O'Brien was starting to emerge then as a player, really good player. And Jim then brought me into the office. I knew my confidence wasn't, I wasn't right. And I said to him, look, I have a problem. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. And he said, well, look, we always signed you as a fullback. <laughs> Jim <laughs> said to me. So I ended up playing fullback because Harry, Harry was injured. Yeah. Harry Kenny was injured. So I ended up playing fullback for most of that season. Then Kevin Brady got injured and played left back a few times. Um, and then on the, the tour to Spain, Portugal, we played Santander, which was Alan Campbell's club. Mm-hmm. They beat us 2-0 and... Dermot was lying on the ground and I went down to him and said what's wrong with you he said he, could, he couldn't breathe he, he was finding it hard to breathe some fellas out there hitting him off the ball and broke two of his ribs so um, we went to Spain then just after that and um, I think we, we drew up Benfica nil all and beat Sporting Lisbon 1-0 Harry Kenny scored Harry Kenny goal yeah I think Harry scored in the first minute we defended for 89 minutes after that <laughs> but I always remember going down the tunnel and the bottles and stones and everything we tried <laughs> But we went against the script. Yeah. We drawn with Benfica in the stadium of Lightning all. It was it was incredible tour like for the League of Ireland side. Of course. So then we went up to play Santander in, in Spain and the second game then was against Atletico Madrid. And that was my first game. Jim Jim sat me down and he just said, Look, do you fa- how do you fancy playing centre half? And I said, I'll, I'll try it and give it a go. We got beaten two 0 but I played well. And the rest is kind of history then. Mm-hmm. I ended up playing Dermot ended up kind of playing a bit part and then Retiring, becoming manager. It was myself and Peter, or we were the kind of the mainstay down at that stage. Yeah. But yeah, that's how we ended up playing centre half. And just on that note, was a question from from Jason Maloney. He wants to know which you actually preferred, defence or midfield for Rovers. Good question. I've never been asked that question before. So I was going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, obviously, obviously centre half because it's where I ended up playing all my career. Then really from twenty five on. Um, even when I went to Shells then I entered Derry I ended up playing centre half so I must have been doing something right Mil- uh, at, you probably get forward more playing midfield I enjoyed midfield I, enjoy, I absolutely love playing midfield as well but it was a great um, learning curve for me I suppose I, I could play in so many positions I suppose that was the probably a joy for any manager and it was crap for me at the time because you'd be moved around all over the right, place yeah. particularly when I was younger like I ended up playing a season at Shells the Shells winning season when they won the league Anto Whelan and Tony McCarthy were actually the two centre-backs I was left-back because Kevin was out for the year so mm-hmm. I've kind of I've kind of had a, a run around a bit as well as opposed <laughs> to being midfield yeah. right across midfield right across the back yeah you strike me as a bit of a Ronan Finn nowadays you just do yeah, what's necessary for the yet. team you'll yeah. play in whatever position is needed of you like you've got to think about those days too you, you, you're probably only carrying 13, 14 max players like right. you know if you, if you see what Rovers won the league with it was probably only 13 players and then 3 off the reserves probably you know that, that would be the makeup of the squad it wouldn't be 22 or 23, 24 man squad now the way it is you know and resting players and rotating mm. players rotating and all that players, kind of yeah. stuff yeah, yeah it's changed yeah. big time yeah absolutely so this is a deliberate pairing of, of Mick and Robbie because I, I asked for someone who was a fan of yours Mick and uh, Robbie was so Robbie what do you remember of Mick as a player what did you like about him what was his standard attributes? What I've been talking about for the past five minutes, versatility. I mean, just put him in any number of jersey and he'd do a job for you. You know, it's just mm. a, a great pro as well. You know, great pro. Just work his socks off. Just ideal pro. Simple as that. Play anywhere. Yeah. And it was this season you were actually voted Player of the Year for a Rovers Club Supporters Player of the Year, 85, 86. Uh, so, of the four in a row, did you feel that was probably your standout season with us? Um. 
You know, I've often thought back on, on those days, and I, I think, not really, probably, because we just went out and played. You know, people often talk to me, oh, Jim, Jim, Jim is a brilliant motivator, brilliant man, man manager, mm. but Jim wouldn't have to say a lot. You'd have Pat Bourne, you'd have Dermot Keeley, you'd have Noel King. The only thing he would say, he'd probably give out to Kevin Brady and myself because we wouldn't open our mouth because we were only kids at the time. Right. I think we were 21 when we went to Rovers and we come into that group of Noel Larkin, you could throw into it as well. Mick Bourne would have been a, a Bowes man at the time, but would have been experienced around the League of Ireland. We, I was coming from Drawd after a year and Drawd and being at home farm, Kevin would have been much the same. So we used to sit in the one end of the chair in Milltown and Kevin would be up one end, I'd be down the other end and he'd go to Kevin then come to, straight to me and he'd say, have you said the same? We'd say no. I said no, but you're plenty the same when you get out of here, don't you? <laughs> we wouldn't. But all the all the all the big players would be there. Yeah. They deal with things in the dressing room, and they were Jim's leaders. Like you know what I mean. So there was never any. If there was a row going on or anything going on, it'd be brought up in the dressing room and sorted out straight away. Jim Jim would be just a. He's the leader, obviously, but brilliant, brilliant manager. But a lot of really good players and good pros there. Like I mean. Robbie just said it there, like, oh, I was a good pro. Yeah, I was a good pro, but I was a good pro because you're brought up kind of the right way, the people that are around you. Yeah, I even yeah. say it now, you learn more off all the pros than you will off any coach, no matter how good the coach is. Can I ask a question mm-hmm. about Mick Mc, Jim McLaughlin, sorry, Mick, if you don't mind. Um, was he, he was more of a motivator, was, was he a tactician, was he? How was he on the tactics side of it? Um, I was curious about that. He'd always know, he'd always know the opposition. Yeah. He'd know the opposition inside out. And... Um, he just give you nuggets of information you need because the players would be so experienced. Of course. And then the players would talk. Pat, Pat would organise. Noel would organise. But Jim, you'd, you'd know what you, what's expected of you, put it that way. You, and you, you don't... I've never seen him... It, it, you know, you talk about him now. It, I meet him a lot now around... Well, I had met him a lot up in Dundalk. He's not great at the moment, but... So I believe it. He, um... You know, you often think about it, like, but he, he just had a calmness about him. Never, ever saw him raise his voice. Never. Not in all the times I played room, and um, you just you just you just fill you full of belief. But you go out and you know your job, you know your role. Everyone yeah. knew their role. That's that's huge. Football, yeah. that's huge. So just staying in that season for a moment because we like to, we have a bit of a player of the year series going on where we bring on each player who won the award in that year. Mm-hmm. So does anything stand out? Who did we beat in the cup final that year? Was it Galway or Waterford? Waterford. Eighty six. Was Waterford? Was Waterford? Was it Waterford? Yeah, Waterford. Was Waterford. Waterford. Yeah. So that was the that was the second cup we won. Uh, so it was the three in a row at this stage. Eighty five, eighty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we lost to uh, the Hungarian team in Europe. So Honved. Yeah, I was injured. I, I didn't yeah. go. I didn't travel to Honved, and then we played. We played for the Olympic team. They played Hungary in Milltown. Um, I think six of the lads played. I was supposed to play. I was injured still, and uh, missed that game. But um, that was when Kevin Brady and John Hollins came over to see John Cody. He was injured, and Kevin Brady played. Or Kevin Brady came over to see Kevin Brady, but Kevin Brady was injured, and John Cody played instead, and he signed John Cody, <laughs> and John <laughs> Cody ended up going to Chelsea. But yeah, that was my memory from that. That was Hanved. Yeah, I was. I didn't get injured often, thank God. But. Did you play any way leg? No, missed the two of them. We were over there that game, yeah. yeah. There was a few of us went over, a few yeah. mad nutcases went over there. It's a frightening place though. 
Yeah. We had the pub we were in, we were singing a few songs and the, the military police came in looking for passports, etc. We didn't realise we were in a communist country, you know, we just didn't you think it was that bad. Yeah, well, probably was. <laughs> so, yeah, that was some trip, actually. Yeah, yeah no, I missed those games. But, uh, yeah, I played in the rest of the Olympic Games. They were brilliant. They were brilliant. I, I, I've said it to the League of Ireland as well to try and, they should try and get them back for the League of Ireland players. Mm. You know, for, well, I know the Olympics now is supposed to be amateur, but it's professional and messy and all them playing it. But, like, Let's be honest about it. Well, I suppose it's a little bit different now. Some League of Ireland players will play in the in the international team, but it's a great honour for League of Ireland players to represent their country in the Olympics. I think even and, and play against. It. I think it's great. Yeah. It should be. It should be brought back. There I've some been great, down to PFAO about yeah. it as well. There were some great games. I think it was a three-two win over France. Yeah, um, Sweden as well. Yeah, so it was some big wins. Yeah, there was some great wins. We we got beaten the last minute in Sweden. Still remember that the ball coming down, hitting the crossbar, and popping into the six yard box, and your man putting it in the back of the net. We were devastated because we, I think we were four minutes into injury time, mm. and we no one on the, no trainer on the pitch. The referee was from Denmark, which didn't help. Of course. Um, and then we beat France three two, I think, in or three one in Dalymount. We drew it them two two over in France. Um, and beat Spain in Tolka 3-1 got beaten by them over there I think but yeah they were great games great games for League of Ireland players to play in at the time so our last note of 85-86 pre-season this is your moment to shine now Robbie <laughs> we played <laughs> why I'm here we played Newbridge Town <laughs> in the 30th of June 1985 a friendly uh, we only had 10 players I believe 10 uh, players you've got, yeah. you've got them written down there who was the starting at 10 so tell us what happened that day Oh, okay. Well, I was playing for a sports club, Hoops FC, at the time. And we had a game down in Fairview Park. I think it was 11 o'clock kickoff. So um, we finished about 1 o'clock and we decided to travel down to the game in Newbridge. So we went down, stood at the gates. Team bus arrived in. So the lads got off. They saw us. They came over. Cody, of course. Typical John. Shy bloke that he is. Came over and said, we've got 10 men, lads. I only got a pair of boots. And unfortunately, I was shoved to one side. Yeah, Robbie, Robbie will do it. So... With no choice, no matter. All I, all I can remember is my feet were completely utterly blistered from the game in the morning. I said to myself, "I'm not going to get through 19 minutes here. It's going to be impossible." I know, I know. Well, I think I got, I got through it in the end. Do you need the the players that were turned out or whatever? No? Yeah, give us the quick rundown. Yeah, yeah. We had Fran Hitchcock, Mick Bourne, Tim O'Driscoll, the second team player. Good lad, actually. Tim came from UCD. Was he UCD? Yeah, yeah. He would have walked into the other first team at the time. I would have thought, yeah, you know, really good player. Fella. Yeah. Um, Neville Steedman. Neville on the wing. And we had John Cody, Kevin Brady, Jack McDonough, goalkeeper Declan Murray. Now, I'm not too sure. Do you remember? Any book? No, I think he was one of the mates, one of the lads. Um, we had Jerry Scully, another second team player, myself, and a chap called Dean. I don't know his first name, unfortunately. Nobody can seem to place who he was. And that was it. That was the starting 11 and the finishing 11, as it turned out. Any uh, compliments from players or fans that day you can recall? Well, the only thing I can remember about it is really is what well, they got my name wrong over the Tannoy for starters. <laughs> Robbie Murray, they call me. But I left him away with that. Not a problem. Um, anytime I got the ball, I just passed it to the first person I saw in green and white and let them get on with the job. Simple as that. Just keep it nice and simple. Yeah. You know? Did you say your position? Sorry. Um, I started off in right hand side of midfield and after five minutes I said to Jacko, who was in charge pretty much, I said, Jacko, listen, I'm not going to be able to last 90 minutes. You, know? <laughs> you put me somewhere else, maybe at the back. So he put me right for which is my natural position where I normally played for the you know, sports club. So, yeah. So I saw it the 90 minutes, signed autographs after the game. <laughs> it was great. Um, you know, Neil, drinks afterwards, treated like kings. Really, really, really great experience, really I have to say. Yeah, great experience. 
So to this day, what do your mates say to you about you and the, and the foreign row team? Uh, <laughs> stick to your job. Oh, yeah, stick exactly. to your <laughs> Stick to your day job. I strike and have a day job. I'm retired now. But no, um, I thought people had forgotten about this game completely, you know. Just when you came up to us, was it yourself came up to me up in Emmy Vale at the... Jason, how many points did you owe to me, yeah, yeah because yeah, of Jim Jimmy, Conroy. Yeah, Jimmy, of course, yeah. brought it up. No, I've spoken to Jimmy about this all. So any more secrets about me, don't let anybody know on the podcast. <laughs> Please. So, yeah, that was it. A really enjoyable experience. Apparently you got in because uh, Mick Kearns told me he was injured. <laughs> oh, he was injured from playing with the Glenmalore Rovers team, the fans team. So he couldn't play. Yeah, I think he, I was, may, he yeah, may have got a game. He got injured down Herbert Park, and we had a training session. He got injured Saturday morning. Yeah, I remember. I was, we thought he was joking. He went down, and he was screaming. We just thought he was like joking. It turned out really, really serious. I think it ended his career. Really? Yeah. And Mick was a really, really good player. Now you know, really strong, strong midfielder. Yeah, we missed him big time. Yeah, I remember that. Amazing what I can remember. When I can't remember my own name, of the best of times. You know. I know when I spoke about this, I, it sounded like you weren't going to remember anything. Like, oh, <laughs> it's you, all you, coming back to me now. Give me something <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, we, we we touched on it earlier the leaving of Milltown there. Um, well, first of all, do you remember finding the news out? Like, how did you find out? Oh, how did we find out? Um, it's probably the paper. That's when it first kind of came around, and like everyone, that Irish press headline. Yeah, there was talk about it then that it might be happening, and we didn't know we didn't know where we were at the time then or what was going on because obviously we were still winning leagues and cups and. You're saying like the best team in Ireland at the time. Why, why would you be leaving? Like we were never told that it was going to happen. And I think for us, we we actually met. I'll never forget it. We met in the Skyline Hotel. We met. We looked to meet Louis, our Paddy Paddy Kilcoyne to see what what was actually happening to us. We didn't know what was happening to us. Uh, as I said, there was an embargo, three month embargo put on anyone leaving Rovers at the time. And uh, so you couldn't sign for anybody. And. I, I, I always remember going in to meet Louis and Dermot was there with him and they were talking any money that was owed to you you'd be paid up and this kind of thing you won't be used as assets of the club which was a lie because we were mm. um, but as I said to you before none of us wanted to go but at the, at, the end of the, at the end of it all they kind of lied to us as well as regards what was actually going on we were, we were to be sold with the club mm. Um and then after the three months, well, obviously Jim had come down and, and done his business. When the three months was up then, we'd already signed for Derry at that stage. So, look, it was a, it was a time, it was a, it was a very, very sad time. But I think, on reflection for us, as I said to you, if you look back at it now, it, it, players would see it differently, I think. If you, if you knew then what you know now, regarding what happened with the club and the history of the club and... Milltown itself was just a, an iconic place like the ground has never been equaled for me in League of Ireland terms because the pitch was just unbelievable I mean we couldn't play, we couldn't train on the pitch it was sacrilege to train on the pitch, pitch. The, car we park. the car park yeah. Yeah. we imagine United and Arsenal game over friendlies and they were joining their praise at the surface they said top class unbelievable. You, know? You, know? Unbelievable. unbelievable but like that's that's, that's that's what happened that's actually what happened and then like it's for me to even to go to Derry it was a huge huge like you're talking about three or four dubs going to Derry like yeah. you know and it was it was huge for us to go up there like even because we were going kind of you're out of your comfort zone to what we'd known for four or five years like you wouldn't want to go anywhere else but Jim was there and that was obviously a big draw for us as well 
When I say Milltown to you, Robbie, what do you think about, like, what was your match day routine? Where did you stand? And what's your memories of the atmosphere, the pitch and everything? Well, yeah, I was part of the sports club committee for about, what, 14, 15 years. So it'd be there maybe one o'clock in the afternoon, whatever, selling programs, um, different things. Um, I'd just go to the shed, maybe behind the goal, switch over at half time, go to the bar after the game. Of course, Louis closed at six o'clock. Hit a gold mine there, but we were all kicked out at six o'clock, you know yeah. what I mean? Just didn't have a clear how to run a football club, you know? It's just really, really badly managed. But Louis got all the stick, but my thing was more Paddy and Bart. They were the two who really. They were the Louis, brains, Louis was the brains front, behind. Louis it. was the front man. He was the front at the end. I think, I think for he me also, it, yeah. and I know I said at the time that, you know, the government and other, other bodies could have got involved big time as well, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Jesuits are. Who was it behind? Was the, the Jesuits. Jesuits. They were oh. sold a dummy. I think they were sold a dummy as regards the lease and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But I wonder where they I don't think they're completely yeah. guilt free. I think Antashka were the only ones who really stood by us pretty much. Yeah. Politicians didn't want to know. It was just. It's yeah. really, really, really sad. That's why I'm hopefully Talika say because yeah, they'll probably get more support because it's you know more modern now. It's nowadays. more modern now yeah, and it's absolutely. more yeah. You know, grounds gone. You're trying to get <laughs> grounds back as opposed yeah. as opposed to grounds gone. So hopefully, obviously back. the eighty eight seventy eighty eight season was a bit of a disaster. The, the boycott, yeah. playing in front of no fans. Uh, like Mick Byrne has told me before. He'd score a goal and he wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> he wouldn't know where to celebrate in front of. Was that a horrible experience? Desperate experience. Um, I think I scored two against Limerick one night. And uh, I think there was probably 40 people in the ground. You just hear the echoes. Like It's like it's like a training, it's a training session. And then you're going inside and you're seeing the supporters that, you know, <coughs> would have, let's be honest, would have idolised you probably going, you know, and, and you see them standing outside and it's just, you're going home empty. There's no feeling for there's no feeling for anything, and as, as I said to you right at the start, I mean we would have had like, as it's, the camaraderie in that dressing room was just un, unreal. We probably never matched again, probably in in my time anyway. We used to lift yourself for the games. Must have been really really hard with no fans there. Well, as place, I said, so I had to, but as I said, we just we just played. Just played, did your job. But like it was getting to a stage where you're coming out and it just wasn't the same. It wasn't. It wasn't. It's not, it wasn't, I don't know whether it's just Milltown it wasn't the whole atmosphere had changed I think the way it was handled the way I think it, the way everything was handled both in from the Kilcoyne's point of view I suppose and then the way the players were were kind of just go to talk and, and expect to carry on like you can't it just doesn't happen we were asked about a game hopefully you can provide context here we played away to Shelburne at Harold's Cross in 87, 88, and one fan says he remembers you giving the, the Rowers fans the fingers. Any memories of that? or No. No? Why would I do that? I don't know. A uh, uh, couple of people. Was it playing for Shelburne? No, you were playing for Rovers away to Shelburne at Harrow's Cross, 87, 88. So a couple of people said they remember that happening. So. It was Nil Alder. I remember that. Worst match I've yeah. probably ever been at. Was I, don't remember, I don't remember that incident at all. Well, I never been. No. Jasmine? <laughs> uh, no, I said I would ask you, so mm, I'll tell them that you don't remember it. So, don't remember that at all. Right. I gave the Rovers fans on playing for Rovers. Yeah, two fingers. That's what they say. Right. Okay. Have to ask. Let me know that one when you find out. <laughs> I'll, ask the, I'll get back to them. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I'll get back to them. So. Um, I probably remember doing it in Talca all right when I was playing for Shells. <laughs> yeah. Take off them. Maybe that was it. That's a loud. Yeah. I don't, uh, definitely don't remember that one. All right. Uh, do you consider the final row team 
the greatest team you've seen? Ah, no question about it. There's just so many great players. It's just, you know, Pat Bourne, maybe. Best player to wear over the years, I think, well, possibly. For well, well, for me, in my lifetime, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for me, and I said it to him when I was at just the, ran a game. I was doing one of these with him. Like, he, he, he had everything. Absolutely everything. Um, I think the closest to him for me, for my playing career, would have been Tony Sheridan, maybe. But Pat, as a complete all-round midfielder, as a captain, um, just incredible player, absolutely incredible player. And also getting into referees here as well. Oh, he chatted to the referee. Well, he's as well. the best referee on the pitch. <laughs> Him and King were the two best referees on the pitch. <laughs> and but, nothing wrong with that. But he was brilliant. Like yeah. he, he could do anything. He could bend the wall, ball around the wall, over the wall, under the wall, and probably chipped in with goals when we really needed at times. But just a brilliant leader. Again, wouldn't throw the head at anybody, but. Something need to be sorted out. Be sorted out straight away by the, by probably the older players, you know. So, and that that's that's what we said. We 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 done one of these with Mick and, and Pat, and it was ghastly, you know. As I said to you, Jim would talk about. He talked, give out to Kevin Brady and myself about. You know, he's having nothing to say. We then became those players. When Pat and all them and Noel had retired, Kevin and myself then became the talking, Paul Doolan, the players in the dairy dressing room. Yeah. We then became the senior players. So it's kind of goes down the line in circles mm. so that's that's football that's the way it evolves like you know the senior players run the dressing room to a large degree and, and Jim then had that myself Kevin he had uh, Paul Doolan he had Felix Healy then up there as well so we had a lot of players in Derry that would control the dressing room up there as well so it was kind of a yeah a shadow rovers yeah. thing if you know what I mean so it's just the experience you're the experienced players at the time then that's the way it evolves I'm a four four two man. I love the way it's just four four two. You know, two men up front, two wide man. Get the ball yeah. into the box. You know, your strikers are in the box, not out in the wing like they are today. You know, they just expect to fall back to midfield. Yeah, we we just send the forwards in the box when the we, ball comes. We were in. away, as I said, to you, we were away in England last week, and we, we played England, Portugal, and, and Armenia. And I, I'm telling that, I'm telling the centre forward. I said we've got, we had a fellow now, Lark, and I said that would just score umpteen goals coming in at the far post. That's one, yeah. Because defenders will watch the near post, they watch the middle of the goal. Yeah. But the far post is the weak area. That's what you need to get into. So, and we had Campbell and Buckley before that, you know. The Campbell, like, un- unbelievable, terrific players, absolutely terrific Campbell players. Campbell Buckley, yeah. Born Larkin. How do you follow that? Which yeah, almost impossible. Yeah. yeah. And this is from uh, John Byrne. Uh, he'd obviously read the article about you working with the Ireland under nineteens and your what you did with the Shell schoolboys and everything. He said it's great that he's still contributing to a game he clearly loves. Uh, as a Rovers fan, I, I particularly happy memories of his time at Milltown and that remarkable Jim McLaughlin team. His speciality was occasionally sneaking up from defence and Rovers had a corner and scoring from the edge of the penalty area. As sweet a right foot as you'd ever hope to see. Got a cracker from a free against Bowles in the last great game at Milltown in 1987. Last derby Milltown. When Rovers came from behind to win 3-2. 3-2. Oh, how we celebrated. Was that an enjoyable one? That's right. I'll tell you why it was enjoy. It was enjoyable in a lot of ways. Um, as I said to you, I was away with the under-19s. The under-19s coach is Dermot O'Neill, who was the balls keeper that day. And I had to tell the lads when we were away, did I ever tell you I scored against him in Milton? <laughs> and he hates it. He goes mad because he's a balls man, so he goes mad. But um, my dad, he died about four years ago now. He, my dad was on his way out the gate in Milton, And he was right down that end. And we were 2-1 down. We've well, got five minutes to go, I do. Yeah, five favorite minutes game of all time, possibly, yeah. <laughs> Pat stuck one in this corner. Yeah. And he went over the second one, and I put the second one in the other corner. 
and we beat the 3-2 but it was just like Bowles Rovers was just I me mean, Bowles are a good side too that day yeah. that day played really really well yeah. it was just, just it's a just a derby game. and it was Absolutely a cracking, cracking game, game yeah. absolutely brilliant game but my dad was at the gate I remember in Milltown he was, at, he was just at the gate and he heard a roar and he saw me running away <laughs> we would won 3-2 but uh, yeah it was, that was a great game it was probably one of the best games I remember, yeah, I remember saying well, poison no, t- no TV coverage again that day it was on the radio but I'd love to see that on YouTube again you know, just I'd love for the goal I've looked for it because I've you haven't found it, I presume. No. I thought they were there, really? but I've never found it. Yeah, no, I've looked. I've looked for that yeah, game. I've never found, found it anywhere. There's only some footage of Milltown, isn't there? It's I not mean, great. Yeah, it's no, it's not great. There's one of the supporters, one of supporters put up a lot of stuff they had, and I saw it on some YouTube thing. It was brilliant. Like there was a lot of a lot of goals, a lot of games, but there was all footage, obviously. But mm. but it was good. It's great to see. That's right. Yeah, Sligo Cup semi compilation yeah, stuff. That's right, compilation stuff. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, good. Yeah. Just on the and um, you mentioned the cup semi final versus Sligo. Like, would you have been on the pitch protesting? Oh, uh, that. Um, no, no, no. I was. I was too busy crying my eyes out behind the goal. To be honest, yeah. that was the worst day of my life. It was and one of the worst days I had. I was in the I was in the dressing room again. I was after getting done with Paul Nugent. I thought my ankle was broke, and I heard the commotion outside. <laughs> they were all on the. We won the league that day, I think, did we? Um, we won the league that day. No, it was the cup semi final. It was the cup semi final, yeah. No, yeah. we went to a replay. Went, yeah, it was 1-0 up then, no larking again. That's right. Yeah. The winner, that was yeah. the last game, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was in, the, in the dressing room, and it was okay for the replay. But, um, I think Sligo fans came onto the pitch as well, I believe. Yeah, they did, yeah. Consolidation, fair play to them, yeah. Absolutely. The famous sign, Will Greed killed the hoops. Yeah, or F Talcott was another one, that I believe. One, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if your career had ended there, I think most most players would have been happy with that with your with your medal hall at that stage but then you go on to Derry and you win that treble still the only club to win the league FAI Cup and League Cup and you mentioned the, the four of Dublin players you were playing with at the time so yeah so obviously that famous Roberts team breaks up and Derry benefit from from those five players in, in 89 mm-hmm. yeah no we look at I think again I've often thought of this I think Rovers would have done it two or three times we never took the league cup seriously <laughs> you know you get the finals the gym and play half a team you, you you very rarely play a full team in the league cup it was, it was sort of fellas coming back from injury or and you, you, you don't you don't realise what a treble is until I think the Derry thing was different because we went to Dundalk who had won the league the year before and had beaten Derry in the cup final I think if I'm right the year before that maybe and we it was a kind of little bit of revenge for Derry I suppose the Derry people to see it that way we wouldn't because for us it was a force it was a league cup final but we went and we, we absolutely hammered them dog that night I think we beat them 4-0 which was unheard of in, in Oriel Park yeah. and it was a, a brilliant performance then as well but that kind of set us off on a on a kind of a a run um, the first game for Derry was up in Fanad which I played with Rovers I, th- I thought I'd never be there again Good game yeah on yeah. the beach we're on the beach yeah I never I, I always remember yeah 3-0 yeah. game wasn't it yeah I always remember coming yeah. away from Fanad and looking back and saying I'll never be here again <laughs> Forest away to an Ireland yeah I did I looked back because <laughs> Forest place you can go to an Ireland to play and I said I'll probably never be here again and first game for Derry was in Fanad and um, we were we were nil all I said it was about 25 minutes in and the ball came over around me midriff. I won't say where it was, but I didn't know what to do with it. The knee, whether to head it or whatever. In the end, it just caught me in the, yeah, 
dropped to their centre forward he buried it and I could hear the fell on the there he used to video all their, their matches and I could hear the fell on the camera holy Jesus great <laughs> 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 start to my career at Derry but yeah we came, we came back and I think we drew with Fanny even as it was then but yeah okay, it was it was a great year as well but I've all my friends there like Paul Doolan Kevin Brady Noel Larkin then John Cody came from Chelsea so mm-hmm. it was kind of just a, a carry on like we had Johnny Speak uh, Felix Healy uh, Stuart Gold and then Liam Coyle emerged wow. you know mm-hmm. came on as a yeah. sub against Cove and scored a hat-trick in the second half and then went down the following week thinking it back to back went down to Cove and he scores again and again he just started he'd only started and he'd only a kid like uh, so you mentioned Pat Byrne, you mentioned Liam Coyle there, you played with Tony Sheridan. Who was the best player you played with and against in your career? In Ireland? We would have played a lot of Yeah, against, teams, against includes, yeah, it can be anyone else in Ireland as well. Yeah. Best player I played with would have been Pat Bourne for me. Um, played against, wow. In Ireland, I always try to think who caused me the most problems. Would have been probably well for me. One of the ones I would have had a lot of problems with would have been Dave Tilson, because he he outstanding pace. That yeah. used to hate playing against him because no matter where he was, he you you know he was going to outpace you. Um, and if you read it earlier, you were in serious trouble. <laughs> you didn't read it early enough. Yeah. But um. Lee Coyle, I suppose, looking at him is his development and when he started, and he would have been a great player as well. Mm. In English teams, or whoever we would have played, we would have played against a lot with Shells and in even Rovers. We'd be beating a few of them, so yeah, there could have been any amount of mm. English players or Irish players we played against. I think yeah. the year we beat we beat Arsenal and beat United twice. That was an unbelievable year as well. Like just great occasions and to actually beat them. Yeah. Was class. I remember you know we beat United Milltown. Then like, yeah. Ron Atkinson was there. Oh, we bring over our full team the next time. They brought them over and we beat them <laughs> the next <laughs> time. <as well. laughs> it was a great year. I mean, again, when you think about that, like you, you've beaten three top teams in England, and like you still get you still wouldn't get a packed Milltown. Like you know what I mean? It's it's mad. You get a packed Milltown for the matches. You beat them, and then you come out on the Sunday and it's not packed. That's not packed. And you yeah, say, I what know. did he want? I know. Exactly. You know, you, you're very frustrating at times. You played against Benfica as well, so there would have been Portuguese internationals in that one. Uh, how do you pronounce the first name? Aldair, the Aldair, future Aldair, yeah. World was, Cup winner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was so a great occasion in Derry. Stars in that one, yeah. Yeah, it was a great occasion in Derry as well. Uh, playing Benfica up there in the Brandywell, absolutely jammed. I think Celtic, Celtic will stick long in the memory of Rovers supporters and and the players. I think that that particular night. Mm. We should have beaten. We should have beaten Celtic four four one maybe. It was the one that got away? A lot of people have told oh, me that. Yeah, yeah. Packy, Packy that night was unbelievable. Yeah, he said on from two three nil. Yeah, would have yeah. Packy say that himself. Absolutely. He will, yeah, absolutely he will, yeah. And then we yeah. went we went over to went over to Parkhead then and and then half a team though, Mick. Wasn't there a thing we had five or six players missing? I think five or six we missing we had, yeah. And uh, Mo Johnson scored a header from the edge of the box. I think I didn't know whether to applaud it or <laughs> jump up and run. It was an absolutely fantastic goal, brilliant goal. For a fella to head it from the edge of the box into the top corner was, uh, but we we were struggling big time. We I think we had about, as you say, yeah, about four, four or five missing. Yeah, Pat was one. Yeah. Pat, Pat was one. Yeah. was another. I know that for, yeah. for a fact. Can't remember the names. Though. So remember four so five, difficult, yeah. but brilliant occasion again. I think I think we wore orange that night. Yeah, we did. 
We did. And they were looking for swap jerseys <laughs> because of Rangers after it. They were looking for their jerseys. The Celtic supporters, because if they were orange, I think they wanted to slag off Rangers or something. But yeah, great occasions. Absolutely brilliant occasions. But I, th- I, th- I think the one in Milltown. Yeah. The one that got away. Yeah, my cousin my cousin was up the, on the scoreboard, hanging out the scoreboard in Milltown that night. And he, you know, <laughs> the video of a, of a grain video somewhere my dad had. And uh, he's on the he's on the scoreboard. <laughs> he's hanging out of it. He's only he would have been only twelve, thirteen at the time, probably. Of course, Louis erected a temporary stand, which the temporary was, stand was shaking when we were coming oh out. Oh my god! Today, forget there's that. no way to health and safety today we're anywhere near specification. We oh came, my god! We came out of the dressing rooms. <laughs> Unbelievable! That's a fact. The bloody stand was shaking. Oh my god! Thinking about that, like, anything could have happened. Scaffold, yeah, like scaffold. There was a scaffold in the car park with a temporary stand. We were walk, We came out through the back of it. Then out. I think we came on the side of the pitch. Side, I, think, yeah, over, um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. You could have put three or four hundred in that stand. Yeah, at least. Oh. At least, I think. Yeah. Huh? It was just an huh? accident waiting to happen. Though. Just that was still very, talking very about lucky. that. Yeah. Very, very lucky. Because we were worried about what. Because your parents were probably in it. You know. What yeah, I mean? absolutely. Yeah. You, you wouldn't know who was in it. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to play a game. And you're worried sick that the stand might fall. But the, women, the, the children. You know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Shocking. That's heavy, Louis. Anyway, you know. But it was a brilliant night. Book. It was a brilliant night. That was yeah. probably. My favourite night at Rovers, I suppose. And it was remarkable that Rovers, until 2019, hadn't won the Cup. You have a love affair with the Cup. Uh, what Was it seven or, or eight Cups you won? Seven, I think, yes. Yeah, seven, seven Cups. Yeah. Remarkable that Rovers hadn't won it since they left Milltown in 1987. And uh, I, I, was, I was doing my research on you, I was searching you, and one of the headlines was, Mick Neville wants Dundalk to win. 2019 because you were with Dundalk at the time you were coaching there mm. 19 so it was more of a told the party line sort of uh, headline but uh, you must have been delighted I mean looking back that Roberts finally ended that hoodoo of 32 years yeah of course I couldn't believe that's that I actually couldn't I didn't realise yeah. th- that we were the last ones to win it for I couldn't believe it like Rovers the history that Rovers have where the cl- where the club is and where where it's been for the last ten years now. Yeah, pretty much. Like the, a bit more, that yeah. they hadn't won the cup, I couldn't believe that. And and I I I'm I'm watching football every week and I'd be listening to the stats and all of what's going on, but I couldn't believe that Robert hadn't won the cup. Yeah, they nicknamed the cup specialists as well, you know. Yeah, that, that went out the window yeah. for after twenty two yeah. years, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the cup final now is is brilliant. I've been to I've been to every cup final for the last twenty years probably, but um. I think the build-up, playing the Aviva, yeah. it was great that I went to, when I went to Lansdowne as well. Don't get me wrong, but the Aviva now is a totally different scenario altogether. And I think the way the FEI have taken it up, to be fair to them, mm-hmm. or the League of Ireland, they've built it up to something now that it should, should have been years ago anyway. But I think it's a great occasion. It's a, it's a great, it's the last day of the season, isn't it? Now? It is. Yeah, last and I think game, it's yeah. brilliant. I think you get a lot of neutrals going to the finals as well, which, yeah. is, which is great to see. Real League of Ireland people. Uh, Sean Byrne asks Mick uh, with the squad Rovers have now do you think we're capable of achieving what you did with the four in a row um, if you hadn't asked me that question last year I probably would have said yes this year I think there's going to be one or two I think Derry will come close to them I think um, there's two or three clubs now starting to get a few bob behind them if they get the players, yeah, they put. I think I think Rovers have a great squad. I think the the, the problem they have with them, I think Robbie might have answered it for me. It's just a little bit of grit. They have a lot of footballers, but they've got that on to actually, you know, when the when the when the chips are down to actually put the 
put the foot in if you want to want to say that way. They play a lot of great football, but I think the likes of Derry and probably one or two others maybe will push them this year. I think definitely next year is going to be will be interesting. I think they win it this year, but I think Derry are a coming team and and if they get a couple more players in, Derry will pull it up to them. I think that's that's the way football is. That's the way it evolves. It was the same with us. We probably had three or four teams around us at the time would have, would have put it up to us at any one stage Bowes in particular um, and Bowes always will but I think then they had a really good side as well but I don't think there's anything out there at the moment to, to match Rovers at the moment but I, I think but then Rovers will improve as well I think Rovers will get probably one or two players in as well to add to what they ha- already have they've, they've some squad even at the moment we need a striker Mick we need a striker a goal scorer He's going to score twenty goals a year. End of story. Yeah, you know? yeah. Probably. And that wasn't scary twig. Simple as that. Well, I think they've a lot of. I think they've a lot of really good footballers in midfield. Yeah, Borky um, and Danny Mand will score maybe yeah. 10, 15. Jack will, Jack will Jack chip in a few. In, he will. Every team needs a centre forward. Yeah, yeah. If you Pat Hoover or something like that, you know what I mean. But that's what I'm saying. Would have won more, I think. Rovers could sign one or two. You know, quite. Yeah. They could sign one or two. They they, they have the finance. And they have the backing to do it. So yeah. I think I I had to I had to give them great credit also. I think. Their underage setup is fantastic as well. That was yeah. my next question, yeah. Yeah, they've done brilliant work because I'm involved in that area. Um, I was involved in the dock to a, to a little degree with it. I was involved in shells with it, but I think I think Rovers have set the bar, and it, and it's brilliant. I, I think that's what all clubs have to aspire to. And I'm hoping Will Clark now involved with the academies. I'm hoping that the FEI get a get some kind of a grip on it because as I said, I'm involved with the under 19s, and I think we finished the Armenia game. The last game we had in our, with five League of Ireland players on the pitch, you want that to be nine or ten. Of course, you know it'd be fantastic if, if that's if that could happen. But that's that's where you're looking. It has to start at the underages, and I think with Brexit now and, and players not allowed to go away till they're eighteen, the League of Ireland clubs now have to stand up and be counted. And I think some of them are. I think some of them are, are gradually getting there, but there's a lot lot more to do with with a lot mm. of clubs. You had Sinclair. Uh, Armstrong so. in your in your recent squad you would have had uh, Idemo Maku mm. last year uh, a yeah. talented player what, yeah. what do you think of Idemo? Idemo needs he needs to get consistency in his game he needs to he needs to play um, he's, he's come in and out of the Rover squad really really quick really skillful player um, and again I think, I think if he gets a run of games and gets confidence and gets consistency in his game he'll be a really good asset to, to Rovers I think I hope he does I've seen him loads of times. When he's in the game, he's a fantastic player, but he needs to he needs to do a little bit more as regards probably being in the game a little bit longer. Yeah, rather just see flashes. He's only getting five minutes here, and he ten minutes there, so it's hard. Yeah, it's very hard, but it's very hard for young players. And I say this to people like it's very, and it's no disrespect to Stephen Bradley or Shamrock Rovers. It was the same with with Derry or Shells and. And Rovers, when I was there, very few young players would come through to the four in a row team. You, you think about Owen Monaghan, John Swift. Yeah. Very few young players come through. I, I was probably the youngest at 21. Yeah. And I played two seasons, three seasons in the league already. So it's very difficult now for for a, a league winning manager to put young players in. and, and it's about, The game's about winning, winning, about yeah. winning leagues. and The team's trying to catch Rovers. Can't put young players in because they need the experience, you know. I think it's very difficult. I think it's very difficult for young players. I think, I think the the idea that they had, what Rovers had with the B team, was it was a great idea. But I think it should have been just more than Rovers. I think there should be four or five and done it in the league if finances allowed, because it would be a breeding ground for young players. The the problem with Rovers was 
they such a they they such a good group of players, even with their B team, that they were being cherry picked by other clubs. So it's very hard then if the other clubs aren't doing it, they're going to take the best players from Rovers because they're not going to get into the Rovers team. And it's a, it's a great it's a great point for um for other clubs to just come and say, well, look, you're not going to get into that team. Why don't you come and play for us? So they'll go. Mm-hmm. So it's a very hard thing to do with just one club doing it. If you know what I mean. The four or five clubs doing it might be a different scenario altogether. Or have an under twenty one league. I think again it's something I've been crying out for for years in the in the League of Ireland. When I was when I was playing and we just finished up, we had two or three players that could play with the with the reserves. So I could be thirty five and I'm coming back from injury. I play I can play with the reserve team. Now the now I think there's three players can play, they have to be under twenty one. But that's no use to a squad of twenty four where fellas don't get a game for five or six weeks. Then they're expected to come on in a match and do something. It's very, very difficult. Mm. So in under, for me, in under twenty one, t- in under twenty one league, if you put the nineteens to twenty ones, the seventeens to nineteens, maybe and s- probably start at fifteens, or even start at seventeens, maybe start at sixteens, maybe nineteens, twenty ones. I think then and then maybe bring in three overage players that you can have three overage players. As I said to you right at the start of this, the experience that the overage player brings by playing with the younger players is absolutely massive massive so that that older player could be down there for four or five weeks before he or she is ready to play so the younger players are getting a huge experience in watching that player preparing playing experience advice direction everything yeah. um obviously we're we're marking the 35th anniversary of milltown there'll be a 10k walk on uh by the time people hear this it'll be this happening this week on the friday um Obviously, we're, we're, we're settled into Tallinn now, probably 13 years, they're home, we're tapping into the community, but Milltown's not forgotten, is it something we still fondly remember and talk about all the time? I think I've only passed Milltown twice since it was closed down, and every time I pass, I just look the other way. I just, just I think I've passed it once, yeah. Yeah, just, it's horrible just to see it with houses, it brings back all the memories. It's just Yeah. Yeah, so... <sighs> Just tears in my eyes now. Even just thinking about it, you know. Not the first person says me. Yeah, no, yeah some just, people. Just, I think I was talking to Joe Barnes the other day. He said he accidentally, Joe. he accidentally went down the Milltown Road, and he was furious yeah. with himself because it was the first time he'd ever gone down that way since Milltown was was closed. Yeah. Some people just avoid that direction. Just well, people, I think, I think people's life, you know. Yeah, I think that's what I said earlier. That's that's what it means. It means to Robbie. It means to all the other supporters that were there then. And, and Shamrock Grover supporters in general that was their home and that was their uh, th- that was their mecca I suppose you know it, and again as I said to you for, from us and it wasn't being, it's not being selfish in any way we were just players we were we played for Shamrock Rovers yeah we love playing for Shamrock Rovers and we love Milltown but we're playing for the club and the club the club moves I think I think if that happened now I think there'd be the players would, would the players wouldn't go I think it'd be a totally different scenario altogether as I said to you, and that it's not telling that's not an excuse or anything. There was no understanding of it really what it meant to to Rover supporters then. I think even Eamon Duffy has changed his mind now, isn't he? I think even he thinks it was a bad move now. And he was all pro Kilcoyne back in the day. Yeah. You no. Know? But that's what was that saying? Didn't he bang him on about it in the papers yeah. a few years afterwards? He was, he was yeah, slagging yeah. Rovers and Louis was doing the right thing, yeah, Louis is saying Calling us the that. chicken yeah. league and all yeah, this, chicken, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great credit, great credit to the people that kept the club going. 
Absolutely. That's the other side Absolutely. of it. Like, I mean, it could have easily disappeared in, in so, so many times in, in, in that era, like, because it was just, it was unheard of. Like Shamrock, like to lose Flair Lodge, Flair Lodge is another brilliant pitch, absolutely fantastic yeah, pitch. Terrific. Terrific. And to lose that, I think the GAA played on it now. Like to lose that, as I said to you, and then, then lose Milltown and then Tolka, all iconic places in League of Ireland history. Mm. That's, you know. Turner's Cross gone, Mick. What's that? I don't know. Turner's Cross, is that still floating around? Turner's there? Cross, that's where Corker playing. He's talking about Flower Lodge. Flower Lodge. Oh, Flower Lodge. Sorry, Flower Lodge. Sorry, yeah, mixed up. Sorry, yeah. Flower Lodge. Sorry, yeah. Flower Lodge was the Flower old one. Yeah, remember oh, going to Flower Lodge? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pitch is like a billiard table. Like Milltown, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it's one of the yeah. closest I've ever come to Milltown. Terrific. Yeah, Flower Lodge, brilliant, Flower brilliant Lodge, Sorry, yeah, Thomas Cross. And you look at like Daly Mount Park. <laughs> they're hoping, hoping to modernise the harps. I've been talking about moving to a new ground for so many years. Do you think eventually we would have had to leave Milltown anyway? I don't think so. I, I, like, you look, you look at it. You look at it, other counties, and the club is embedded in the, in the community. You know, you look at Galway. Galway's still there. Got what the job they've done at Galway. They haven't. They haven't moved ground. They built around it. Yeah. All all the housing sites around Galway. Now, if you went to Galway when we were playing, it was out in the middle of nowhere. Now there's housing sites all around it. But that's the kind of hub of the community. Mm. A lot of things, but just football happening in the community. I think that same would have happened with Rovers. I think it would have become a, a community club probably. And um, I know in Dundalk, as I'm involved as a development officer in, in Loud, I know Dundalk and Drawden are making huge strides in the communities, getting the communities involved, getting businesses involved back in the club again with the Americans gone in, in Dundalk. A lot of local clubs getting involved, but a lot of community things, initiatives going on around the club. Yeah. A lot more kids going to the games, which is brilliant. You see at Drawden now, Drawden have had sellouts nearly nearly every home game. Tons of kids going to the going to the game. It's brilliant. Mm. And that's what you want. And you see them wearing the jerseys. Fantastic. I think the club shops. It's great to have the club shops now as well. Have a lot yeah. to answer for. It's great because you don't see now. You see a lot more Dundalk and, and draw the jerseys and draw and Dundalk now than you will Manchester United or Liverpool. It's the same at Rovers, isn't it, Robbie? I mean, like absolutely. Yeah. When we sealed the title last year and then the trophy presentation, so many kids. On the pitch, yeah. although it shouldn't have been, but they're on the pitch wearing the the Rovers tops, not Man United or Liverpool tops. And even in the old days, um, on the away trips, I meet fans would be singing songs for English clubs, the Scottish clubs. You know yeah. that that really. Yeah. And we go to Rovers match lads. Yeah. Come on, let's start singing Rovers so, songs. No, that's completely changed. The Rovers fans today are just they seem just Rovers. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's exactly what you want. But it's tell us a huge asset, like as well. Absolutely. It's a massive question the council, and I, th- I think that. That has to be looked at seriously from from the likes of Dundalk or Drawder. Like Drawder, Drawder have got permission off the council to build their to build their ground, but it still hasn't got the the go ahead. Mm. It'll be interesting to see now. Loud, loud GAA, have got permission to build a ten thousand all seater in Dundalk. Mm. So let's see who goes, who starts first. But Drawder's been in the pipeline for three or four years now, maybe five years, and not a sod has been torn. So it'll be interesting now to see because. Although the GA are probably paying for the, the loud one itself. I mean, even when you were starting out, your career facilities was being talked about as an issue. So nothing's really changed. But but now, because the tenses are growing, maybe it's kind of amplified because we're actually we're turning people away from the grounds now mm-hmm. because they're smaller. So is it a more important issue than ever now? I think Robbie myself has spoken about this, but and I've spoken about it on the the, the the other one I was on with Mick and um, and Pat Bourne, like. There's not many clubs need to be done now if you look at the Premier Division. 
Like if you if you went through the Premier Division, there you have a decent ground, okay, and it's it's up the north. I know you got Rovers. Daily Mount is going to be done, so that's both sorted. I don't know whether shells will go in. Hopefully, they put a few million into talk and, and we're to turn talk around would be fantastic. Obviously, um, Finn Harps hopefully gets done. So if you look at the rest of the clubs that are in the in the actual league itself, Cork is a good ground. Turners Cross is a really good ground. So there's not too many to do, like. You know, again, I don't know if I can get the trouble for saying this, but you look at you look at the capital funding grants that come out, and you look at soccer clubs getting twenty thousand euro, and the local Gaelic club getting a hundred thousand euro. Mm-hmm. That's going on for years. Yeah. Now we had a thing in the FEI last year, where or the year before, where we 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 pushed the soccer clubs to go and look for the capital funding, and they got record record amounts. So the clubs, a lot of the clubs have to get their act together as well, and, and mm. put their stuff in properly, and and get these grants to help them help them get yeah. not only schoolboy clubs but I don't know how I don't know how League of Order clubs can do it because I don't think they can do it because they're professional I don't think they can get get access to those grants but there has to be some and again I know it comes back from what, what's happened historically with the FEI and you know the government bailing them out and all that but surely to God the government can help uh, whether they get loans that are interest free loans or whatever to improve the grounds there's not many of them, as I said to you. A lot of the clubs have done some great work in the grounds. Like I played, we played international games down in Galway. Waterford's another one. Waterford. Brilliant facilities. Absolutely, yeah. Like, that's all you want for League of Ireland. All you want is a nine or ten thousand all-seater. Yeah. Happy days. Bring bit, your, of cover. Bit, bit of cover. Bit of cover. Massive. It, yeah. Decent toilets. Yeah. I mean, a lot of grounds it's you have to use. Lot. To lose, and, you know, in the yeah. 21st mm-hmm. century, it's just crazy stuff. You know, you know? I, think, I think a lot of clubs have done major work in the grounds, but... A lot of clubs still need to do a lot of major work. We did a segment on the podcast a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, where we interviewed only women fans, and we said, "What are your biggest challenges mm-hmm. going to the grounds?" And of course, they brought up facilities. facilities. It's a major issue. Yeah. I mean, they, we can't be asking them to use portaloos. Yeah, we need proper facilities. They can't be begging to go into the whole men's use proper yeah. facilities. It's it's not good. It's a no. shocker. It's one no. of those. It's a shocker. Yeah. We'll end on a more positive note. Uh, the FBI Cup. Uh, as you say, you won seven times. Although, do you notice some players tend to remember the defeats more? <laughs> and when I, I noticed that when I talked to them, I think your career was a book ended by two negative ones. I think it was the '84 defeat to UCD, and the '98 with Shelburne. Um, but I mean, there was a lot of great days in between. I mean, so is that something you fondly remember the the day itself and getting the medal at the end, the cup? Yeah, I, I don't think you, you don't remember much. Well, I remember. It. I, I have a fair memory with football but um, you're right you, the, the ones you get beaten in are, are ones that kind of stick with you UCD I remember hitting my head off the dugout because I was actually taken off it was terrible we played the replay down in Talca and um, Ken Doherty scored I remember jumping up and hitting, whacking my head off the dugout and, and <laughs> I hadn't got much hair to protect me even then but I couldn't believe it um, we should have we should have taken care of them at Daily Mount anyway but uh, no look at fair play they beat us but yeah, it was one that you're always reminded of, particularly by UCD players when they when I meet them. But um, no, my force my force was against Galway, and to win the cup was just it was brilliant because I, I, I when I was with Home Farm we we. I think just to get past a couple of rounds even, I remember one night we, we got beaten by, Pats, Derek Carty. Remember Derek Carty? Derek Carty, I do indeed. Yeah. Derek Carty yeah, put Derek two Carty, free yeah. kicks in the top corner, and I was only a kid. I was only. 20 coming into the first team and I always remember Jim Finity was the goalkeeper for Home Farm 
a lad called Jim Finnerty was about he, he was a man to me I was only 20 Jim was yeah. about 6 foot 2 and he's about 6 foot 2 wide and I remember saying to him in the dressing room and I was only 20 like, and I said to him I said how many times many times to tell you where he's going to put the ball <laughs> and he went for me <laughs> I was only a kid but it meant a lot to me the FAI Cup and yeah. I, I, I was just dying to win it and, and to actually win it then against Galway Larko's goal was, was brilliant I'll never forget that day and uh, just going up and getting the cup and then we, we won it then a couple of times after that then obviously with, with Rovers and then it was, it was like I just said earlier we cups put the boot of the car and you go and you have a meal somewhere <laughs> yeah. and a few drinks and have a night out and that was it like so I can ask you a question um, my, my memory is dreadful I can't remember in any individual years did you play for Derry when they beat Rovers in the cup final in Tolka was it 92 no. no you didn't no no no, Galway beat us in 91. 91 and Derry beat us in 2002. So Mick, Mick would have been retired by then. No, Sorry, yeah, I'm get, I thought it was back in the night. I said my yeah. memories. For no, the cup, final, the cup final memory, yeah. I suppose, for me would be obviously our captain Shells. Mm. But the cup final with Derry was massive because of the crowd when we played Cork in the final. Yeah. And to, to, to come out the Daily Mount and the Daily Mount is full, that again is just a unique mm. atmosphere as well. So yeah. that, was, that was fantastic. But to win it with Rovers and I think probably the Dundalk one as well would have been like I remind them up in Dundalk all the time when, when Rovers beat them because they're always going banging on about their, their, their latest teams and I said remember that remember that time we beat you and we don't talk about that up here he said but I mean Dermot that, that, that time Dermot was the manager then and for a manager to get his tactics right on the, on the day was, was brilliant because everything we'd done in training that week happened on the, on the Sunday in the cup final we had decided to put Brendan um, Murphy, Brendan Murphy on the left, was on he? the left side mm. to get at Gino. And Gino won't like me for saying this, <laughs> but uh, carry that, on, carry on, that was our plan. That was our plan. Um, and he came inside Gino, and, and, and Joey took took him took him down, and that was the penalty, and that was the start of it. So yeah, Brendan scored, didn't he? I think the Brendan score. Brendan get that third goal. Uh, he might have scored. Mick Bourne scored. Mick Bourne scored. Not sure, Brendan. Mick scored the third, and I think it was a Harry Kenny penalty. Harry Kenny um, penalty. Not sure, but the second. Yeah. No, Larkin scored. Uh, Mick, no, Larkin. Sorry, yeah. 3-0. Mick percent. was telling me actually that there was a photo of them uh, when we won the Cup in 2019 to end the, the hoodoo. There's a photo of the three goal scorers and the captain, Pat Byrne, together in the Aviva. And he didn't cobble until halfway through. He looked around and said, oh, hang on. All, three, all four of us are here. Yeah, yeah. 32 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And I mentioned the Cup. I mean... When it comes to the players who have featured in the most finals, you're up there. I mean, like, William Sackey Glenn, 14 finals. Johnny Fulham, 11 finals. Pat Courtney won seven out of seven, including the seven in a, including the six in a row. And there's you, 13 finals, including three replays. Wow. Mm. And you started 12 of them. So, yeah. that's astonishing. The 13th one, I remember, you see, beaten 1-0 by Cork. Mm-hmm. Damien Richardson decided to bring me on with about five minutes to go they were getting beaten 1-0 and um, Big Derry Collins scored I remember he beat Pascoli in the air I played in the semi-final I, I was kind of thinking about retirement then um, but Pascoli got injured and we played Pats I think in the semi-final down in Tolka and we equalised late in the game Went to, ended up going to penalties and I was forced up for shells and um, I played really well that night. I I'd played for two or three weeks, and I, I knew it. I knew it played well, and I said to myself, "You never know. I could end up playing in this final." Yeah. But in the end, he left me out and, and brought Pat Scully back in. But um, Pat 
Pat Dolan was on the on the halfway line, and um, Pat being Pat had a bo- bottle of water. And he's twisting the cap on it. Now talk is jammed at this stage, semi final of the cup, and he's standing there, and I'm standing on the penalty spot. It's like a it's like a showdown between two gunfighters here, <laughs> and Dave Henderson is in goal for them, and I buried the penalty anyway. And I ran up to Pat Dolan. I won't tell you what I said to him, but he <laughs> said, "Take it out of that, Pat." And we ended up beating him on penalties and got to the final. So uh, yeah, we got beaten by Cork then in the final. So. That was the that was the finish for me then at that stage. I, I came back a couple of times then after that. Dermot the Dermot the shells got terrible injuries, so Dermot win me out of I think it was thirty nine at the time. But I was getting out of bed in two or three different pieces, I think. <laughs> it took me about ten minutes, fifteen minutes to get out of the bed, so I said, Nah, I've I'm finished. I'm finished. Rico was your manager, uh infamous for his program notes. Apparently you uh you couldn't understand what he was talking about. To this day I still haven't a clue what he was talking about. <laughs> Damien would eulogise he was like Shakespeare and um, he put something when the sun rises in the east or something I haven't a clue what he was talking about I would have been just happy with he's had a good career he's had a great career yeah thanks for everything and Irish person being hollow is he let me out of here but he was uh, uh, Damien would that was Damien he was a poet did you ever read him when he was with us Robbie did I ever support sorry did you ever read the programme notes no no I didn't actually not a great programme boy really to be honest it never was you need the old thesaurus to understand them. <laughs> I've heard him eulogising. When I, where is he now, though? I mean, he's not. He's not well. He's, not, if he's, oh, he's in England, serious? I think. Oh, I think yeah. he's in England. Oh. Lives in London, I think. Does yeah, because I, I had to try and get the the shells team together. We were supposed to go to the cup final. Yeah. Um. I've no number for him. I don't. None of the lads had a number for him. So, but the last I heard, he wasn't great. So. Yeah, that's that's where he, he's that's in England, big. I think. There's one question I just forgot. Um, again from Jason, Where, did you have opportunities to go away? Because it was kind of talked about when you were with the Robbers. Yeah, I did. I um, I was to go to Huddersfield. Uh, Mick Bourne had gone to Huddersfield, and Gary Halek was at Huddersfield. Um, Owen Hand wanted me to go to Huddersfield, and they came over to watch me against Rovers. I was actually with Derry at the time. Um, I met on hand and Peter Wid. If you remember Peter Wid, he's played centre forward for Aston Villa. Villa, yeah. He was his assistant. I met them after the Derry game. We'd beaten Rovers two one. Sorry about that, lads. But I think we beat them in Daly Mount. And he said, on hand. So I remember what he said to me. He says, "You had a handy game today." And I'm going like, "I'm up against Finney Arkins here. A handy game. I don't think so." We would just beaten Rovers two one. Anyway, I I didn't go in the end, and he went ballistic, and uh, found me wife and everything at the time and saying it's disgraceful you should be going out and I'm going, I had to get Jim to ring him and tell him look I'm not going mm. um, and then unfortunately for me Owen Hand then became the manager of Shells and um, well him and I we saw eye to eye to a degree um, he called me in one night then and he had this he used to have this um, like a diary and he was saying to me uh, have you got a problem playing for me and I said no and he says uh well, you didn't do well against Tony flicking over the pages and you weren't good against Rovers and I see here also you weren't good against Home Farm and I said, oh no, I wasn't playing against Home Farm. I was injured. So, see that book I said, stick it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> and I got up and I walked out of the room and that was him, myself and on hand finished and then on hand resigned probably the next week and went to Saudi Arabia. He went, just walked out of the club, went to Saudi Arabia but um, yeah, that's, that's what happened at Chelsea. He brought Arno Callaghan at the time and Aaron was going to play centre-back and I, again, I ended up playing right back. I ended up playing somewhere else. So I could, I could still, 
I'm still doing an overlap. If you give me the time, I'll, I'll overlap around ten past three. <laughs> Wait for me. But yeah, no, that was that's that's what happened at Shells and different different managers. So, any burning question for Mick before we go, Robbie? Somebody hit me when we're finished, no doubt. Um, no, I think that's it. I think yeah, I think I know everything about Mick that I need to know now. I think yeah. Exactly everything there yeah, now. I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. And a pleasure to see him play anyway. Yeah. As I said, consummate professional. Never let us down. Never let us down. Leave it there, so thanks to you both, lads. Enjoyed that. Thanks, Carly. I appreciate it. Yeah, so that was the lads' problem. I tell you what, the whack missed out. He did. The whack missed out. Imagine not being able to play with the four in a row legends team. Imagine me and you slotting into this 11. (laughs) Where where do you play? Where do you play in this one? Uh, Right wing, I I was. I'm going to fancy myself in the 10, pulling the strings. Creating the goal, scoring the freeze, doing the whole lot, prof. Yeah, it's actually on YouTube. The whole match. What? Is on YouTube. Rovers against Newbridge, nineteen eighty-five. Unbelievable. And stuff. Uh, so, I was trying to I, when we when this story initially came up. I actually thought he was a sub. Didn't realize he started the match. So it'd be interesting to actually sit down and see how he does. But as he said, he just he passes to the best players. Let them do the work. And uh, do you remember how this started? It was just because we we had a friendly in Galway, and we had no subs, and then you were just like, "Ah, oh, we better bring our boots and all this." Yeah, yeah. And then that led to the, the Jim Conroy voice yeah. now, and then we met Robbie, and then here we are. He's on the show. Oh, with, we accidentally met Robbie with Mick Neville, but we were banjoed Monaghan. And I love how things come together because I I asked around and said, "Who would be a fan of Mick Neville?" He's, he's like he's obviously uh, he was Mr. Reliable hugely respected player but he's not like people would pick you know Pat Byrne usually those sort of players well you got one and, anyway and, and sure enough Robbie Murphy's name came up he was a big fan of McNeville so I had the two of them at the same time and the season that he played that friendly was the season that McNeville was player of the year. It was just like the stars aligned <laughs> yeah. for this one. Fucking certainly sounds like it. And, um, yeah, we're, we're actually just back from the AGM. We literally drove back from the AGM and recorded that one. And Robbie started reading me bukes on the, on the bookshelf. And he was drawn to one. I'll just get it from the shelf now. He was drawn to one, possibly because of a sens- sensational title, Gar. Do you want to read it there? Don't let the bastards grind you down. <laughs> Billy Sinclair. <laughs> Who is that? You read that like Frano from Love Hate. And he kind of, <laughs> Ryan kind of looks like yeah, Frano. Yeah, he looks like well. Fran, yeah. What's he, this one about, bro? He was a Scottish manager for Sligo uh, 40, 50 years ago. Great title, I'll give you that. That's yeah, a great title, but that's, that's what you started reading. And um, yeah, um, what else was there? I didn't ask him about any troubles playing for Derry. Because uh, there was a 42.e article that I quoted from a few times. And he said there actually wasn't issues like with checkpoints and stuff. He said it was he didn't have didn't have problems. That's grand, yeah. So then, then I said that to him off air. I said, well, I didn't ask you because in that article you mentioned no problems. So I wouldn't have gotten a story out of you. Yeah. But then he did say, actually, there was one thing. Uh, they were getting through no problem. Like how are you doing on their on their way and all that. And he's in the car with John Cody, and then just as they're about to get through, no issue. John Cody goes, "Happy St. Patrick's Day!" 
and they were fucking hell there for two hours over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John. For fuck's sake. Well, the Borough Hoops finest. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mick was actually a Protestant by, by birth, so that was an interesting one. Like, uh, Protestant, sort of a Dublin player for Shamrock Rovers, going and playing for Derry. But, it's a strange uh, one, all right, isn't it? Not yeah, many of them. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's great success at Derry. Some career. I mean, look at his Wikipedia page. Like, it takes a while to scroll down past the trophies. It <laughs> takes a while, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable player and serving for overs and really, really good interview prof. Kudos again. And Robbie has sworn me to secrecy on something, Gar. I'll just tell you what it's about, but I can't go into detail. Go on. Robbie and Fielder have something in common. What do you think that is? They're both off like karaoke. <laughs> They both missed the cup win oh, wow. in 2019. How did he miss this one? He made me edit it out, so you'll have to ask okay. him personally. <laughs> okay, okay. But uh, that's his eternal shame. He missed the cup win. Right, so Prof, we're moving on. And the first home game of the month. It's been a while, hasn't it? And then we two on the, two on the trot. And then we have Bows away. So we're looking at home to Pats, home to Dundalk and away to Bows. That's a crucial three games, Prof. Do you want to read out Derry's fixtures there? I don't, actually. Uh, do you know it's the second round of fixtures are all mixed up? No. Like, we started with UCD and never started with Pats. Is that so supposedly? It's all game? jumbled up it's now. It's all jumbled up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the programme articles, Prof, give us a little whirl of that. Yeah, well, in my Q&A with a former player, I went with Harry Kenny because he played in the last game of Milton. Did he comment on his hacking of his Facebook? <laughs> I said that to him. What's I said... Say? I said, I presume that's not you talking to me there because you're not talking like you're a human. <laughs> and you're like, how's it going? Hi, how are you? Are you okay recently? <laughs> yeah. We, we, um, remember he was on the podcast last year. I heard he's a top fella. So we, uh, he told that story again about how he was sent off after four minutes. Uh, Tom Conway, Tom Conway headbutting something in the dressing room beforehand. And then the referee saw the blood and thought that uh, Harry Kenny had hit Brilliant him. story. Yeah, amazing story. And my article is about... Uh, Better culture. We played FC Utrecht in the RDS. This is one of the questions I got wrong with. 30 years ago on Friday. Oh, lovely. Not a big deal, obviously, but, you know, me, I kind of like to... I like these sort of obscure things to talk about that nobody's really talked about before. And it was an absolute failure of a game. Poor crowd, and these these continental friendlies just stopped. Then, like after that, they brought back uh, Forest and Celtic. You know, the reliables. Yeah. No more, no more Dutch flair. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was funny how that came together actually, because I was I was I was looking at their team who played against us. Any interesting names? And uh, I then announced the goalkeeper. I think his name is Van Van Eed. He is now the goalkeeping coach for the Ireland women's team. Oh, no way. And he, he played that in goal for Utrecht. That is random stat ever. He played for Utrecht that day against us in the RDS 30 years ago. Random, man. Jesus. How would you come across that? It must have been purely by name, looking yeah. at it, and you just double did a double take. It was just, yeah, pure coincidence. So we have, in the shop, we have an Easter sale this week, Gary. We have up to 50% off. Get user. On selected products in the club shop, get user warm teas. Your padded jackets, third jersey, full zip hoodie, new snuds, Milltown 35, pin badges, limited supply, possibly sold out. 
So that's it. And uh, we've uh, a little thing we want to plug here now. It's May 7th, okay? The Rovers, 40. Uh, the Rovers Legends are playing the Leash Legends, okay? Mick Bourne, this, Mick Bourne's the gaffer. Mick Bourne loves getting shout outs on this. So get in touch with us if you're looking to get involved. I think what they're going to, they're going to look at the prospect of running a bus from the Roadstone. So if you do want to go to this game and help out in a cause, which we'll talk about in a minute, let us know and we'll get in touch with Mick and you can talk to him about that. So you could be travelling with the Rovers, legends on their bus down to watch them play. So unfortunately, uh, Mount Malik United, young guy, Owen costs 14 years of age. Unfortunately, he's been diagnosed with cancer. So they're going to try and raise a few quid. Um, if you'd like to get involved and buy tickets or have any information whatsoever, you're going to be talking to Tom Crystal, who's involved with Mount Melick. So you can get on him at 086 103 And this guy is a star, apparently coming up in the world and a really good footballer. So there's going to be a few points after as well. Maloney's in the middle of town after the game, so you'd be drinking with all the Rovers legends. The Mark Kennys, the Mick Bournes, the Pat Bournes. Who else are we missing out? Someone's going to get on to us saying we didn't mention them. But yeah, check it out and get in touch with anybody who we've mentioned if you want to get involved and help raise some funds for a very worthy cause. Definitely get involved in that, 100%. And of course, Prof, we have more coming this way as well. The reminder, 10k walk on Friday, 4pm at the Monumental Ceremony. And then the cycle for Ando, waffles on Monday as well. So uh, that is it, Prof. Play- players from Milltown apparently joining us for this walk. Ah, definitely. The, yeah. the gaff will be forced there. In the in the in the fire line, telling us how he won the league cup in nineteen seventy six, <laughs> and he's the first player of the year, no doubt. Uh, also, it. check out Fed and Warren's. Pod- I think that's how he introduces himself. I think he goes <laughs> in Robbie Gaffney, first ever player of the year, Sean Crawford. <laughs> Yeah, check out Fed and Warren's blog post as well. He's written about his own Milltown memories. If you're not tapped out on Milltown content after this show, I presume the show was three feckin' errors at this point. <laughs> um, also, we've got an Easter egg collection. For direct provision residents and Ukrainian refugees. So just drop off the eggs at the club shop before kick-off on Friday. Yes, and we certainly will not eat them. Or any staff members will not eat them. We will make sure of that. Well, I'm not making any promises, but... But, uh, yeah, so that's it. Thanks to all of our guests. Brilliant show this week, Prof. And, of course, we will see you. The Prof's Perch, Block X, and the South Stand. Keep on hooping. See ya. I'm walking, here's the thing and I'm talking, find you and me, I'm hoping, that you come back to me, I'm lonely, as I can be, I'm waiting, for your company, I'm hoping, that you come back to me, what you gonna do when the well run dry, you gonna run away and hide, I'm gonna run right by your side, for you pretty baby, I even die, I'm walking, here's the thing and I'm talking,
Here's the deal, I'm talking, but you and me, I'm hoping that you come back to me. 